Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. Ah, Nathan. Hey up. We alright boys? Yeah, good. Episode number 25. Mamba number 25. <laughs> yeah, indeed, I guess. Don't remember that Quarter one. Quarter of a century. <laughs> you don't remember Mamba number 5? I remember that one, not 25. Yeah, the 20 iterations afterwards. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, five. Yeah. That, that so, angle will be 25. <laughs> well, what was the point of that? Right, anyway. Uh, right, shall we start off with news? And um, Can I start you off with some rather alarming news? Ooh, alarming. We all have our alarming news here in mm. Joking Dolphin. Particularly for PS4 owners. So, the PS4's internal clock battery could end up bricking your console at some mm. point. Okay. So this is an article from TechRadar. It says, your PS4 console could be rendered completely useless in the future if its internal clock battery dies. You won't be able to play any PS4 games on it, regardless of whether they're digital or disc. Yep. That's, that's according to trusted hacker Lance McDonald, who shared the extremely worrying news that PS4 consoles will be nothing more than expensive paperweights should the internal system clock die. Well, would you not be able to play blue? No, of course you won't, because you can't play discs. All right, yep, paperweight it is then. <laughs> but how could this potentially catastrophic oversight prevent the PS4 from playing games? I hear you ask. Well, it's apparently all di- tied to how trophies work, and more, sp- more specifically, how the PS4 uses the console's internal clock to prevent users from manipulating the trophy system. So, as McDonald points out on Twitter, trophies on PS4 require the internal system clock, the one you can't see or alter, to be correct, so people can't change their PS4 date time to make it look like they got trophies earlier than they really did. If your PS4 clock battery dies, or your games die. And he goes on to say, if your system clock resets to zero, the only way to correct it is to connect to the PSN network, which implies that should Sony decide to do away with the PSN, in the future the console will be bricked, as you will not be able to correct the clock by connecting it to the network. Okay. So McDonald's statement was in response to a tweet from uh, Does It Play, an account that's dedicated to video game preservation. Does it play stated that when the PS4 CBOS actually dies, and it will, it renders all PS4 digital files unusable without a server reconnection. And in PS4, it also kills disk playback. Replacing the CBOS isn't too troublesome, apparently, but does it play told IGA in India the fact that the internal clock also affects the PS4's ability to play discs is concerned. CBOS can only have its time fixed by PSN or hacks, does it play said. The fact it kills discs is lunacy. Uh, it suggested that it could be fixed with a firmware update, but it doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon, if at all. Mm. Um, that's quite worrying and a bit of an oversight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, d- just well, bit. off the back of um, PlayStation closing the PS3, Vita, and uh, PSP stores, yes. so it's shown that they can actually do something like that. Um, I-, I think they're going to come out with something. I hope they're going to come out with something to patch it. Um, but, but I can't see the PSN, well, the PlayStation Network going anywhere anytime soon. So that should give them enough yeah. time to be able to sort this out. It's quite. Worrying. It is worrying, definitely, that your disc games won't work as well. Because, yeah. like, in my eyes, I see right. That's my like safety backup. That I've got that disc. Yeah. I can put that in that console and play it anytime I want. And now it just kind of goes back on that, and yeah. it doesn't really matter. You bought the hardware, you bought the software physically. They're your things. Mm. They should work, surely. 
I mean, I know mm. nowadays there's so many games with like day one patches. So even if you do put the disc in, you're probably getting a broken product if you mm. were to uninstall it and reinstall at some point. But it's just you paying that money to own that medium that it's fair. It's quite annoying actually that this has actually this has happened. It's it's a bad oversight, I think. Yeah, technical design flaw. And was there something about? Have you heard about the? Um... You know, there's the, whole, the closing the PS3 store mm. and all that. Mm. But apparently, they've some patches have also disappeared now as well. So you can't download patches for certain games on PS3. Oh, right. Which is causing issues because there's quite a few games that obviously require the patch. Mm-hmm. So mm. that's not good either. Yeah, it just seems like screw the past. It's all about the future now. And that's it, in my mm. eyes. Shame. Shame, really. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Because PlayStation got a rich history, and like, if one of the things that I want to do when I eventually have kids is like take them through the generations, kind of, just so that they got a bit of an appreciation for what's come before. Um, and this is stopping that from happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, has anybody heard about the um, Metal Gear Solid collection rumors for PS Five? Surprisingly, oh, I no, I haven't. No. no, right. So this has come out on 4chan. Um, so <laughs> apparently, well, take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a handful. I don't know about a pinch. <laughs> Mountain. <laughs> apparently, Sony and Konami have reached a deal to bring the Metal Gear Solid collection to the PS5 in September 2021. Um, so the collection will feature Metal Gear Solid's Twin Snakes. That was the GameCube remake of the first one. Well, not the first one, but Metal Gear Solid, as, as you know. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, um, Sons of Liberty. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. And Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Um, it's not going to have Metal Gear Solid 5 for some reason, which don't know why. It's going to be backwards compatible with the PS4 as well, apparently. So... Um, it'll be compatible on the PS5 and we'll have backwards compatibility with the PS4. So I'm wondering if it's going to be a PS4 re-release with like, compatibility sound... forwards. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds more likely to be actually for the PS4, but also PS5. But yeah, is if this came out, is this something that you'd be interested in? Hell yeah. Um, I'd like to play yeah, it. Be interesting. I'd like to play Metal Gear 2 again. Mm. I do think that's an underrated one. Everyone talks about Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. I think they're widely regarded as the best ones. Mm. Well, I when like I... mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd want to play uh, tw- Twin Snakes because um, when I were looking to play like the first Metal Gear Solid game in like the best possible way, everybody says like, Twin Snakes is the best. Like You've got the classic one on play, the PS1, but when they rebuilt... The first one for the GameCube is just a lot better and the graphics are nicer, which I always appreciate. But it's just so expensive. You like when you go on eBay to try and find it, you're looking about 70 quid to try and buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, if if that was part of this collection, I'd definitely be up for buying that and giving that a go. Because I, I never played Twin Snakes. I only, I've only ever played the OG Metal Gear. Yeah, mm. I didn't get around to playing Twin Snakes. Or maybe I'm just old school. And I just shunned the idea of a remake of this, this other <laughs> version. But. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'd be exciting if it actually happens. I'm surprised they don't include yeah. um, Peace Walker in there. 
Like the uh, like the Metal Gear Solid the... HD collection. Yeah, yeah. Fair but enough. Anyway, yeah, we just as we say, we'll take that with a pinch of salt for the time being. Yeah. Yeah, it's in four chan. I'm like, hmm. Well, we'll have to see if Sony or Konami come out and confirm anything in the um, in the near future. Because if they were going to do it, you'd think we'd get an announcement or something in the next couple of months leading up to September to try and build some hype. But yeah, I suppose we'll find out. I mean, I think it's positive. Like with PlayStation, like closing the stores down and stuff. This is just another way that you can play these games. And is it? An, well, are they going to do this with other franchises? Is that why they're closing the old stores down so that they can repackage these games and sell them again to us? Oh no. They'll sell, well, though, won't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Of course they sell. But I suppose we'll find out. All right, so E3. It's been officially confirmed wow. at last. So it will be a digital event, mm-hmm. uh, and it will run from the June 12th to the June the 15th. And the website confirms that Xbox, Nintendo, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, Koch Media will all be involved. But there are some notable absentees from that list so far and that includes obviously playstation mm-hmm. uh, activision blizzard ea bandai namco square enix and sega they're not represented as of yet i mean there's still time obviously yeah well i think most of these companies have got their own things going on now yeah i was kind of so, expect i was kind of expecting playstation not to be there don't think playstation were there last year either so it's not really news mm. that they're not here this year because yeah. they kind of do their own state of plays don't they and they want to release the information as they see fit. Yeah. I suppose about Activision, Blizzard and EA, though. I thought they mm. might. On Square Enix, because they, don't they usually have their own conference? Well, yeah, but I suppose, I suppose at least for at least Square Enix, like, they're doing their own kind of stuff. Like, they've only just recently had their own Square Enix presents thing, so... Yeah, but what, what I'm saying is that usually at E3 they have their own. Yeah, they normally have like their own yeah. like booth and own presentation thing. Yeah. Um, I suppose as well, I think you got to take into consideration like how much stuff do these company companies have to show by that point. This is the thing because obviously yeah. this past is it going to be a bit of a rush? You know. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing with E3. I think a lot of things get shown off that really shouldn't should they? Mm-hmm. like, is is a game from yeah. seven years away? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's quite a lot of games that are just a bit too early. Like, I don't want to see a little cutscene. Um, yeah. I want to see a bit more than that. One thing I'd like him to do, um, I don't know if anything like this has been done before, but over them, like, three or four days, if they release, release like, timed demos for the games that are, like, close, that'd be pretty cool. Because one of the good things about E3 is, like, getting to play the games. I mean, I've never been to an E3 conference, but that's one of the things that I like, like, the... Um, the people that I listen to in the gaming space, seeing what their thoughts are on the demos that they played. Mm. Um, and something like that would be really cool if they come out and just said, we've got this demo for this game. It's going to be available for three days so you can give it a try. And then just, yeah, I just think that would be cool. Just I mean, to kind of get us involved in it. Yeah, that's just like, they keep saying, oh, there's all this interactivity, but there isn't actually when you think about it. It's just like, here's a presentation you can watch. Yeah, maybe it's like you know if you buy let's let's just say you buy like a virtual ticket as if you were going there, mm-hmm. and then your console of choice, and it allows you to download the demos of whatever was showcased there. Maybe yeah. not everything, but cool. but whatever 
certain developers wanted to show off. Yeah. Mm. So you had like 15, had a, an half an hour. Yeah. So, you know, you'd queue up for a booth, wouldn't you? You know, if you went to an E3 to try out a game. Mm. If you just got like a set number of them. Yeah, some like tokens cool. that you could use. Yeah. yeah. So then you can just pick and choose what, what demo game you want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd Come be on. really good. Like Come a proper virtual event. Yeah. Come on, E3, get on it. <laughs> They'd make a killing, though. I, I know yeah. a lot of people would definitely be up for that, including us, obviously. Yeah. Certain companies do one-shot demos, don't they, Matthew? Mm. Certain ones that I'm sure we'll get onto at some point. Well, do you want to talk about it now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we can go for it. Um, yeah, so a little little-known company called Capcom. Oh, yeah. Let's so have a little showcase for a small indie game series i'm sure you've never heard of it before uh certainly not on this podcast so yeah so the uh it was another resident evil showcase it's showing off a lot more of resident evil village what's going on and uh what's happening with the game so i think presentation started off with like a very quick glimpse of some old scenes some new scenes that we've seen um I think we saw like Ethan was getting dragged through a cave by um, and it's like Heisenberg, I think it's a couple of new stuff, um, and then decided to find again to kind of the meat of a proper trailer for it. So a lot of um, love scenes where you kind of you start to see like the proper gameplay now, like find the the werewolves or the lichens, I think they're called now. I think mm. they're officially called lichens. Um, and there's some some interesting scenes there. there. There's one where it looks as though um, you're in some sort of I want to say like coliseum, but like a uh, like a, a meeting esque of like you're surrounded by I think all the heads of the families that are in there, um, plus a potential potential reveal of what we think is like the main the main head of all these families, the Mother Miranda character. Um, there's a character that's kind of dressed in like garb and got like kind of black wings behind them. So um, it could be interesting to see what what their kind of whole role is in the whole game. Um, yes, yeah, some some more some more looks at the gameplay um, and kind of everyone seems to know Ethan Winter's name because at one point everyone was pretty much just saying Ethan Winter. Uh, it's like, oh, this guy's popular considering that he was a bit of a nobody in like the previous game. <laughs> no, suddenly he's this legend figure that everyone knows. Um, <laughs> and then like the trailer ends with uh, you essentially being tied down by like a, I suppose like a mercenary guy who's got like four eyes, or like the head, the headgear had like the four eyes, night vision, whatever. And um, Chris Redfield kind of just stand there all a bit shady and antagonistic looking I don't know it'll be interesting to see what they do with Chris in this in this game so that's that's the one thing they've not they've managed to keep wraps for Village is that like what is Chris's role in in the whole thing because then you've been playing like seven games plus as as him as like a well as a good guy really like the the good soldier and whatnot but yeah I'm interested to see what it, what Chris's role in the whole thing is and then a little bit later on, we find out they start talking about the next demo that's coming out, or demos. It's a bit 
tricky in what, how they presented everything, but from how I kind of yeah, I got really confused about what they were showing off. Yeah, from from how I've worked it out. So um, on this May the second in Europe uh, for one whole day, uh, there's going to be a demo available for all platforms that the game is coming out on. You know, PS4, PS5, all the Xboxes, Steam, and Stadia. Uh, and you'll be able to play this demo for one whole hour only. You get one hour and that's it. Um, but you can explore both kind of like the castle and village areas that are going to be in the game. And you can pretty much do whatever you want according to what they were saying. But as soon as you play it for one hour, that's it. It's kind of... I mean, the game's out in literally like a week later anyway. So um, It's like a little tease like what they did for Resident Evil 2 Remake. They had like a 30-minute time demo then. Um, but it wasn't like locked to just one day. It's like you download it and then you've got you can play the half an hour whenever, basically. Mm. Or it wasn't half it was half an hour or if you may stretch to complete the little section. But then they announced that for PS4 and PS5 exclusively, there's gonna be two separate demos. Um one one between each area, so one for the village, one for the castle area. Um, and those demos are only available for eight hours on that day. You've got an eight-hour window to play 30 minutes of a demo. <laughs> it's it's a weird strategy. I, I suppose marketing it's, it's different, so maybe I guess people to play it. I really, um, I really like it. I mean, yeah, like I it? think it, um, it causes people to have conversations about it, like, oh, what bit did you see? What did you see differently? Rather than it just being like yeah, a like, what demo. Yeah, what did you do? What did you see? What did you find? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they've encouraged everyone for these demos to to record stream it, stream it, yeah. it as much yeah. as possible. Mm-hmm. So fair play to them, like, they want all eyes on, on this game. Um, so for the Village area demo that is out on the 18th of April. Uh, in the UK time, that is between 4pm and midnight. And you could, uh, well, you could pre-download it pretty much after that presentation was finished. So mm-hmm. I've already got it pre-loaded. <laughs> I can't wait for 4pm to come. So, <laughs> And then uh, the castle demo is a week later. On the 25th of April, same time slot between 4 p.m. and midnight, you've got 30 minutes to play in the castle area. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the demos. Definitely to get my hands on on the game and, and um, go through it. After the demo talk, they went through a new game mode that they're bringing to Resident Evil Village called Mercenaries, which is actually an old game mode that was in um, Resident Evil 3 and has been in like all the numbered all the numbered game games in the series over than 7 um, so I think a lot of people will be happy that this is kind of coming back because it's very much a kind of like a time based um, survival mode where you start in an area you've got to kill as many like X amount of enemies um to move on to another area but you've got like a time limit to do it um and i think once you complete one area then you go into what they call like the shop where you talk to the duke and you can buy new weapons or you can upgrade weapons and whatnot and you move on to the next area but there's stuff to do to increase that time limit so like 
killing enemies in in like a com in a combo will increase time limit. And you can also find these like golden spheres to break to add to it. Um, there's also the they've got one called ability spheres as well. That if you break, you can pick one of three. I think it was one of three abilities, and they're all different abilities to add to help you in the in the uh, in the mode. So there's stuff like extra run speed or uh, blocking reduced damage permanently, or there's some like long range shots did more damage, something like that. It's, it looks very um, very in depth for for the mode. Um, certainly a lot more in depth than I think previous versions were. So, really looking forward to that. I'd like to see if maybe it might be co-op. I don't know. Like, from Resident Evil 5 onwards, they were they all had co-op. And they were a lot of fun co-op. They were really good fun. So, um, I can imagine it just being single-player, because the village is single-player. But we'll see about that. Um, after that, they showed off a new trailer for the Netflix animated series, um, Infinite Darkness. Um where we've got the voice actors for Leon and Claire coming back from the Resident Evil 2 remake, so that's that's kind of cool. Um, they mentioned that a, the series is set about two years after Resident Evil 4, um, which, I mean, there's plenty of stories to be told between all the different games and stuff. I'd be interested to see where they go with this, because I think they've made a mention of um, the the president that's in the series is the father to a uh, character that was in Resident Evil 4, who you had to save. Um, Ashley, I forget what her last name is. I'm not going to get it in this one. But, yeah, Ashley, anyway. So, that would be cool. I'd, I'd like to see. I think that's coming out pretty soon. This in July, I think. June, July time. So, that's some else to watch on Netflix, I suppose, for me. Uh <laughs> Uh, two other things they revealed. Um, one I'm not all that fussed about, but maybe it might get me to start playing it. Uh, is that Resident Evil is going to have a chap? Resident Evil is coming to Dead by Daylight, having its own chapter of what they what they call the DLCs that come to it. Um, I think they were going to reveal more about what's going to be in that chapter on May 25th. So for people who are looking forward to that, keep that. Day in your diary. Um, one last thing, which I was I'd heard about um, and surprised to see how well it actually looks, um, is that they're bringing Resident Evil Four to the Oculus Quest Two as a mm. VR game. Um, I mean, we kind of knew knew about it through the leaks. You know, there was already a mention of Resident Evil Four VR, which is a bit unfortunate because I think this would have been a massive surprise had it, the leagues not come through. But they finally found somewhere else to put Resident Evil 4. I think that game's on literally everything. <laughs> um, but f- just for the short gameplay they showed, it, it looked impressive. I liked that it was like the guy was juggling the gun and the knife at the same time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, that's something you can do in Resident Evil 4 now. Just, I mean, some of the things in that game, imagine VR would be absolutely terrifying. Like doing the um, the massive bosses, El El Garner or something like that. I'm sure I've messed up the name. But like doing that in VR, that would be really impressive. So um, I don't have money for Quest Two, but if I did, I'd probably be like all over it. But yeah, that's that's pretty much everything they got revealed. 
in the showcase. Looking forward to Village less than a month now, so can't wait. Well, there's one takeaway I took away from the Resident Evil showcase, and that yeah. was it's pronounced Lady Dimitrice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's already been an argument on Twitter about that. Has there? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So well, when the creators come out and say this is the name, why are no, you no, arguing? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> so there's been quite a few people who, because the game's set in Eastern European, so they're thinking kind of somewhere kind of Romania, that kind of area. Um, and there's been some, I suppose, fans who are from such of an area, Romania, who have kind of heard that pronunciation and gone actually that's not how we would say it uh, even if it was like even if because the name looks a bit you know eastern europeans maybe german yeah but they're insinuated it's from there it's not been confirmed yeah no it's not confirmed no i mean a lot of the architecture of village is representative of like an eastern european village and you know you've got the castle um it's very similar to Resident Evil 4, really, where you had, you know, it was based in Spain and you had, like, the village and a castle. I hope there's not an island as well, because that was always the worst bit of any Resident Evil game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's already, there's already been arguments. And the actual, the, the presenter of the showcase went on Twitter to say, like, she, she asked, like, is her pronunciation, like, fine? to Capcom and they were like yeah we're, we're happy with what you said so there's a bit there's a bit of an argument on like what, what's the actual well it's canon now isn't it? well well I'll say isn't it <laughs> all I'll say is I'll wait until I hear it in game because that's that'll be like mm. the in game canon yeah. way of saying Dimitriscu or how I say it but apparently it's Dimitrisk for now <laughs> no Lady Dimitris Dimitrisk. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it Trice? Oh, is it Trice? Trice. I'm sure she said, like, there was a K at the end of it. Lady Dimitrisk. We're taking the argument to the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. I prefer Lady D anyway. You don't even prefer Lady. (laughs) Easier. Anyway. Yeah, have you heard the the interesting rumour circulating around Microsoft and Hideo Kojima? I've heard something about this, yeah. I feel like I have, yeah, the sounds. So, I don't know if you've seen this, but there was a teaser trailer for a game called Abandoned. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And it was by a studio called Blue Box Game Studios. And rumours start circulating that that this was actually a secret Hideo Kojima project under a fake studio name like like PT was. Yeah. Uh, But the studio came out on their website and squashed those rumours. Yeah, they were like they they were like annoyed, but they also found yeah, like the funny to, side of it. Yeah, I have to say, <laughs> you must be quite annoyed to think that you spent all, all, all this what? time doing this game, and then suddenly like think, oh, is it Cedio Kojima's work? Because he's a bit weird doing his old thing. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a very, it was an odd trailer, and it did. Yeah, it, I've seen it. It's a bit. Mm. It's it's it was kind of like realistic, but like a grey style, and it actually looked kind of like the same sort of aesthetic as um Resident, new Resident Evils were. Yeah, it says, it's, it says it's camera work and that kind of thing. Uh, but there was a report on a website called VentureBeat by a guy called Jeff Grubb. And he had an interesting 
yeah, an interesting comment regarding it. And he said, the biggest piece of evidence I had that Abandoned is not a Kojima joint is that Kojima is in talks with Microsoft about publishing his next game, according to a source familiar with the matter. And in that article, there was a screenshot of Phil Spencer on one of his Zoom calls. And in the background, on a oh, shelf, yeah. is a statue of Ludens, so the Kojima Productions mascot. Yeah, the... And he stood no. next to a glowing Xbox sign. So, take from that what you will. All I'll well, say Spence is, loves his little yeah. Easter eggs, doesn't he? <laughs> all, I'll, all, all I'll say is it's interesting. Yeah, but that does lend credence to that rumour a while back where it looked like Microsoft were trying to get into the Japanese market. Mm. Yeah, they've always, oh, um, they've always you... failed in the Japanese market, so they, they do need to do something. Do you, cause... Do you imagine if they, they bought Kojima Productions? How massive of a loss that would be for Sony. Yeah, that'd be a real. First, first thing would be like, here's Death Stranding on well, Xbox Series X. I was just a bit perplexed because I thought when he left Konami, he signed a deal with Sony. But he's only made one game. I thought he Sony like helped him with his. Um, like, yeah, I don't know if he was. His setup. I, I think it's it like a deal, or if it was like a a funding thing. Like we'll fund you for this game. And you put it exclusively on PlayStation. Maybe, possible. I don't know. But that'll be interesting. Should that be true? But mm. again, technology just all. It reminds me a little bit of. Um, do you remember the first trailer for um, Phantom Pain? But it was like. It was under a different studio name. Well, this, well, this is why <laughs> these things, the movies fly by, isn't it? Yeah. This is like. This is Kojima's fault, really. <laughs> Any game that comes out now, oh, I think it's Kojima. <laughs> I don't know what I'd feel about if he uh, moved to Microsoft. It'd feel like he was cheating on PlayStation a bit. Yeah, well, he's, he's very much been a PlayStation boy, hasn't he? Yeah. When you've got, like, near, well, 25 years affiliation with the company. Yeah, Microsoft's got that money, money, hasn't it? So. Yeah. Well, if he does, get, if he does go over to uh, Microsoft, he'll be Hideo Kashima. Hey! Ooh, very good. Ooh, that man. Uh, that's that's the pod name sort. <laughs> anyway, speaking of um, cash, uh, the most expensive video game um, in the world was sold uh, yes. recently. Yes. Um, so it was a copy, a sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers, and it was sold for um, $660,000 or... £476,339, which is an absolutely insane figure. Yeah, I've got that cart downstairs and it only cost me 12 quid. Um, So, yeah, this was um, organised by Heritage Auctions. um, And over the last few months, I've been kind of following a few of these because they've, like, sealed Atari carts have got fairly big. um, And they've sold a few of them. You're going to be splashing cash? No, not not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they've been selling quite a few sealed Atari carts um, that have been selling for like tens of thousands but um, nothing much to this level Um, so the game itself uh, you'd think for the price it would be a first edition uh, but in fact it was um, part of the fourth um, packaging variant so if they can find a first edition one um, in decent condition and get it graded then that could be well, you're looking at maybe a million. I, I don't know. 
I think you'd be looking at a million quite easily, wouldn't you? If it was a mint condition, first edition Super mm. Mario Bros. Yeah. But this got me thinking about people that buy games, sealed games, just to grade them and like keep them in like a package. It just feels it feels a bit wrong. I mean, I can understand that some people want to speculate and mm. buy like a low print run game, get it um, graded and keep it there. I mean, you probably know this, Matt, but it's big in the Pokemon card scene that if you pack something really good, you'll oh, get yeah, it graded and then keep it. But I think it's different with cards because they're just, just look at them basically. If you don't play the card game. Um, mm. But with a game, it's about playing it. But it does lead credence to the art side of it as well. The the artwork of the box and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I've got mixed emotions, to be honest. I mean, fair fair dues to anybody that can buy a Super Mario Brothers car and get nearly half a million quid for it. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, just to move on uh, from lots and lots of money. Uh <laughs> There's been a report from Bloomberg that apparently Noid Dog is currently working on a remake of a game we've not seen for quite a while. Apparently fans have been absolutely dying for because we've not seen it in years. Yeah. Pull me on my misery, Matt. Come on. They are remaking The Last of Us. Yeah. Oh, for... I thought it was going to be something really obscure. I actually heard about this, yeah. Why? <laughs> no, Why are reasons. they doing this? <laughs> uh, this is a weird decision to me. Um, well, according to... Uh, so it was, I don't know his second name, but I know it's Jason. He used to work at Kotaku, but he's at Schreierberg um, now. Yeah, that's the one. He's really good, actually, again, like, finding, like, the, the dark secrets of, of the gaming world somehow. Mm. He's got a pretty good reputation, but according to him, uh, the project was initially in the hands of an unannounced new studio that was, um, I think, based in, I want to say San Francisco or San Antonio? Um, San, San two, Diego. San Diego. Completely wrong sense. Uh, <laughs> you are right. Off right, yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, for the change of mind by Sony, it was handed back to Noidog to work on. Mm. Um I honestly don't know what to think about this. I don't need a remake of The Last of Us when you remastered it last gen. Like, I don't... Why do we need this? I think everybody who wants to play it has got everything they want out of that game, though. Yeah. I'm like... You know, if they said, like, oh, we're we're remaking the first Uncharted, I'd understand it a little bit more. Because I'm like, you know, it's a little bit older. Okay, new technology could make it look a little bit better, move a bit better and stuff. But, like, The Last of Us... And let's not. That remaster was looked great as well. So it's just oh, like, yeah, it's fine. surely yeah, you can't make things that much better. It's still hold up today, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, like okay, like compare it to Last of Us Part Two is not going to look as good, but like it still it runs fine, looks fine to me, plays fine. I just I this baffles my mind because um, this seems like a waste of resources to me. Yeah. Well, that's it. They could be working on something new, not remaking a game from seven years well, ago or whenever it came out. Well, apparently, um, Naughty Dog, uh, before being moved on to this game, actually weren't working on anything particularly big. Like, um, 
So like this, the studio Sony Bent, who uh, made Days Gone, uh, their team have kind of been split a little bit down the middle um, for, I think, a bit unfair reasons. But essentially, one one team for theirs now is working with Naughty Dog on a multiplayer game. Uh, whether that's the Last of Us Part Two multiplayer game, I'm not sure. It wasn't uh, it wasn't revealed. But the the second team um, was uh, initially uh, going to be working on a new Uncharted game that was going to be seen as a bit of a, like a reboot or like a pre a prequel to the Uncharted series. But they didn't. Apparently, the team were like, "We don't want to do this." <laughs> Like, if we can't make Days Gone 2, then we're not going to do this. So apparently they're working on a completely new game now. Which is like, I don't know, like, they all, both piece of, piece of kind of news came out of one article talking about Sony's obsession with blockbuster games now and how they seem to be a lot more focused on making the next big AAA game rather than all the little kind of quirky... I'm going to take a position to that, though. Because I know this has been reported, but I, I don't think that's actually true. I mean, maybe in this instance they are, but they have that PlayStation Indies thing, and not only like a month, only a month ago they, they released a bunch of demos for indie games and things like that. Yeah, but well, were it not, games not demos, made by trailers. Sony? Was it by Sony um, Studios, or was it by? Other... Oh no, it wasn't by Sony Studios. I mean, and that's, that's what I'm talking about, though, because like a lot of studios that Sony used to own. Did all yeah. these like little quirky stuff, like stuff like you know Astrobots, which is absolutely fun and absolutely love it. Um, was it Japan Studio? Japan Studios, Japan Studios, yeah, they made like, well, the last thing they made was the uh, Demon Souls remake until they got split up, wasn't it? Mm. But they had also these little quirky games, you know, Wipeout as well from their Liverpool Studios before they folded them. Um, I don't know. It 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 seems from the outside looking in that Sony does seem to be on that kind of. You need to make the next big thing. Otherwise, you're going to be working on somewhere else for someone else. But I don't know. It's uh, it just seems to be kind of more negative news kind of coming from Sony. <laughs> I know the internet's been uh, they've been missing uh, Sean Layden, haven't they? They used to be head of PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a, a, a conference speech where he was talking about how much he loves Vib Ribbon. Yeah, Vib Ribbon. Such a quirky little game that's just, just a lot of fun, really. <laughs> it's just weird and different. But it's like, it feels like Sony just doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, so it seems like he was a guy who, who got it. He understood it. Yeah, he understood like the... the... And maybe that's why he ended up left it, leaving. Because maybe he saw where we were going. Mm, difference be. of opinion. Could be. Which is a shame. But is this going to allow, allow Microsoft to swoop in there? Well, this is it. It's if all getting get start... really interested, isn't it? All this. Well, this is it. Like, like, it's like Sony's focusing on America and Microsoft's wanting to focus on Japan. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, and nobody cares here? about Europe. And then the, yeah. <laughs> no, no where the battleground. Everyone wants to be here. <laughs> And then you got Nintendo in the middle, which cares about everyone. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird one. It's uh, I don't, I don't like that the uh, the studio behind Days Gone couldn't have made the sequel, but the game just didn't 
would do well critically, apparently. Even though it was well, profitable. How profitable was it? Or was it, was it adequate? I don't know. All it said was profitable. That's what it said in the article. I don't know actual values. I've not played it yet, so I can't I can't say whether if it is good or not. It's mixed stuff from everyone. <laughs> I think I think general populace populace kinda of like it. Yeah, I think it's it's more positive than negative, but it's not a it's not it's just not it's just not war. overwhelming, is it? It's just yeah, no. it's not like God of War level or Last of Us. God level. of War, Last of Us, Ryzen, Spider Man. <laughs> Basically I just think Sony, maybe are just like looking at Metacritic and going, oh, it's not over 90, that's it, we're not doing it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. That, that's what I hate, though, because a lot of studios are very Metacritic. Uh, mm, yeah. Light now, aren't they? Because there, there's stuff about, oh, which which game's famous for it? Was it was it Bethesda or was it someone else? Someone was like, we need to get like a oh, 90 I think, plus. I think it was Bethesda. I think it was. Yeah. I think I it might have been for... That's what I was saying. I'm assuming it might have been for, it might have been Fallout 4, actually, or it was, it was something else, but they were like... We need to get like a ninety plus, otherwise the the team didn't get their bonus. Like how yeah. hell is that? Stupid. That's shocking. That absolutely stupid. I just, I hate stuff like that. Just so if it's cut off point, imagine getting eighty nine. Oh, that'd be yeah. Awful. Imagine that. Oh, we don't get your bonus because like one one journalist didn't like certain things, so give it an eight out of ten instead of nine. <laughs> Could have bumped it up over. Yeah, because the thing is, you're not always going to please anyone, everyone anyway. Well, that's it. There'll be like, certain people who hate these games we've mentioned. There'll be there'll be people who hate The Last of Us. I mean, there are. Well, there are. Well, The Last of Us Part Two was like a Marmite game, wasn't it? It's like you had people that absolutely loved it, people that absolutely hated it for what it was. But the people that loved it really loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people that hated it really hated it. <laughs> yeah, but it sold a crap ton. Of course it would. All the all the hairs bought it, so <laughs> yeah. probably never opened it. <laughs> <laughs> probably bought it and then still based their uh, the reviews on the the leaks that came out. <laughs> so yeah. just play the game; and you'll understand the context. Uh, anyway, speaking of Sony, they've signed a deal with Netflix. Ah, I heard about this one for their uh, is it Sony Picture Films? Yes, yeah, so Sony Picture Films after their theatrical runs, mm. will be going on Netflix. And this includes the upcoming video game films, uh, Ghost of Tsushima and Uncharted. So I'll end up on there at some point afterwards. That's great. But I believe for oh. the time being, this is only a US thing, a US deal. Uh, but that, I can't see it. I can't see why that would not change. I'm sure it'll go worldwide eventually. Yeah, we like games too. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Just take this slightly away from from like the games talk. I wonder what this means for the next Spider-Man film. He mentioned it included that as well. So it'll be Spider-Man going on there as well. Ah, so it won't be on Disney+. The, Plus. No, because the, the Spider-Man films now aren't on Disney+, Plus, are they? The, the MCU ones. They're not actually ah. on Disney+, Plus, are they? I'm not sure. I've not. I've not gone through a lot no, of Disney Plus. They're, they're not on it. <laughs> oh wow! Obviously, obviously, there's only deal. So I think this will probably give them license to put them on here instead. Oh, I suppose that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I expected to run for five years that deal. Okay. Anybody seen the trailer for the Ubisoft TV channel? Well, online channel. I did. Yes. I did not, but I have read about it. What's your thoughts? I don't think it knows what it wants to be. 
It looked very busy. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of people chatting all over the place. Just yeah, yeah. I didn't really know what they. Were, I don't know until we start seeing the program. <laughs> it's just a bit. That's some people I knew on it though. There was um, what's his name? What's his name? That guy that I know. Former attack. Rufus. Yeah, Rufus. Hound. The hound, I think. That's the one. Yeah, he was on it. I like it. Yeah, Ellie Gibson, who was on um, Goit Bit. Don't know if you ever yeah, watched she, I think she, was, she used to be part of stuff on Eurogamer as well. But yeah, a lot of people chatting about in rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, from what, from what I read about it, they want to do stuff like uh, talk shows, uh, comedy skits, and like documentary stuff on, on gaming. Skits. You know, what? Want, you know what they want to try and do? They're gonna be like Little Bren, but with like gaming references. <laughs> Please no. Uh, <laughs> I don't want that. One thing is that this isn't just they're talking about Ubisoft stuff, are they? It's like it's well, a, a I gaming... don't know. This is the thing, but surely it's gonna be heavily populated think, with Ubisoft stuff. Yeah, I was just gonna say I think it'll be a vehicle to try and push the Ubisoft stuff if they're pumping money into it. They're gonna want that influence. This is just be um, twenty four hour Ubisoft adverts. But it did it. seem they had like a good mix because we saw some Nintendo stuff in there as well, so it's not as if it's just gonna be Okay. Like if it's more of like more general gaming oriented, I think I think it could be a good thing as long as like the content on there is good. And it's called GTV, isn't it? I'm gonna presume. I'm gonna presume that means gamer TV, but I'm not sure. Gamer actually, TV. Not, yeah, because I've not actually looked it up. Yeah, no. so they're currently gonna be streaming on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So it's not it's not actual broadcasted yeah. TV channel, but I don't I don't I think that would be a bad thing anyway. I don't know many people who would watch a gaming only TV channel. I suppose it depends a lot. A lot of the content, if if they had really good content on this stuff, like I could see like all the esports stuff going on there. Yeah, you can have esports uh, competitions, documentaries, repeats of Games Master, bring back Games Master. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which that, it is doing. I want to know more about the Games Master. That video. show that Craig Charles used to present. Oh, what was it called? No, I'm sure it had Cyber in it. Robot Wars. Just <laughs> <laughs> put Robot Wars no, on that. that one. Fine. Oh, what was it called there? Yeah. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna really irritate me. What was the one that was on Sky One? I remember there was like two. Go a bit on it. Uh, two presenters. There's two presenters. It's this was like years ago. I'm talking about like maybe early 2000s, I think. Um, where they'd have like kids would be in a little tournament as well, but like they do um, some reviews of games as well. I forgot what it was. Oh, do you know when that launches? I'm just looking launched, on it now. I think it might have already launched. You can see oh, some really? content on there. Hmm. So, we had a new PS5 update on the 14th of <laughs> some of April. Us did. Well, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Sorry, Mark. Well, there was a PS4 update actually as well. Was there? Oh, I, don't, I don't know what it was, though, but there was. <laughs> Um, so this update that we got for the PS5, um, so it now gives us the ability to keep games on USB storage. Um, unlucky Matt. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that that cut deep. Yeah. You um, laugh, but I've got a two terabyte one set up again. So shut. Oh, the fair enough. Flub up. <laughs> shut the flip up. There we go. Um, yeah. 
so so that's good so um basically you can you can't run the games off the storage drive but you can transfer them from the storage onto the console um to run from i got what you can't run them from the thing so yeah so what they've done is you can you can move ps5 games onto usb storage but obviously they're not fast enough to run them so you can you can keep the game installed but you have but you to delete can't... a game on your hard drive and then move it back over is that yeah. what we're saying yep what basically that is awful <laughs> well it's not really yes, because it all you have to do is create enough room for one game and then sw- you can mix and match at that stage no oh, I all my games silly. available i might just wake up and say oh i fancy playing that Put it on. Oh, offensive playing that. I'll put that on. They can move it. No, uh, no. Off the back of that. Oh, have, Sony, what are you doing? They have updated <laughs> the PlayStation app and to allow you to manage storage from it. Oh, that's good. That's good. Really. So you do it from like your mobile. Mm, yeah. That's so that that's it. So like Mark, you could wake up, uh, wait for your coffee to be brewed. Like, oh, I fancy a bit of that game. Like, you flip it across on your phone. And then that's it, you're done. Sorted. Well, my phone battery's dead. <laughs> well, Why'd you that, that's poor planning on your part for not plugging it in. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> nah, I don't um, I find it a very inconvenient thing. Yeah. I thought gaming was supposed to be better in terms of technology, and yet all I've heard is just like we're backwards on things. Well, well, it is. There's just not enough room to play everything, that's all. So it is. Unfortunately. <sighs> Yeah, so as part of this update, there's a few other bits. Um, so PS4 and PS5 players can now share play together. And so if you've got a PS4, um, you can like play PS5 games via your friend's console. So this is a function where you can effectively pass the controller so that you can play games on your friend's PS5. Um, so that's pretty interesting. So... Um, I think it's a good op- op- opportunity. I mean, I wish they'd just make enough PS5s for everybody. But if there's a game that you really want to give a go that your friend's got that you've not got yet, then it's it's a nice option. They've changed it so you can compare trophy collections with friends. Uh, I thought you could do this already, but... I thought you... Yeah. What? You could do that unless they private them, like some people. Yeah. And you can also sort and filter products shown in the PlayStation Store now. Um, now, uh, I still want folders though. Still, yeah. Where, yeah, where are the folders? I I need my organization. It looks odd. Well, well, you don't now actually because you can't put all your games on. Well, that's it. So it. It's <laughs> um, one thing that I noticed when I did the update is when I keep my television on the HDMI for the PlayStation. When I switch my TV on, it automatically switches the PlayStation on. I've not found a way that I can change that yet, and it's quite annoying because... Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's also renamed the HDMI as well to PlayStation 5. It's taking over. Well, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you suggesting you don't put your TV on for anything else apart, apart from the PS5? That's the only thing I you don't... ever use it for, surely. No, so <laughs> it's not the only thing. Netflix and the Xbox Series X, of Just course. Do it, do it through well, the PS5. Yeah. yeah. Turn on your Switch for your PS5. Yeah. Oh, on the Switch, I forgot. No, that's, that no, I said you turn your Switch on and it turns the PS5 on. PS5's like, no! 
you play me. Yeah, that's it. Come on, come on, Nathan. Play Immortals Phoenix Rising. You know you want to, but I want to play Luigi's Mansion Three. No. <laughs> you have chosen poorly. Play me, Midsack. <laughs> anyway, my PS5 overload now dictates whatever I do in life. <laughs> so yeah, so. Now, before I switch my television off, if I have played the PS5, um, I've got to switch the HDMI <laughs> to something that's not the PS5, so it doesn't switch on automatically. <laughs> I don't know. There, there is one thing as well, actually, with the, that came through in the PS5 update, is that um, you can now um, set it so that any, any PS... Well, I suppose it's probably just exclusive to PS4 games, but any PS4 games that you play that didn't have HDMI, does not have HDMI support, you can set it now so that um, the TV won't use the HDMI for that game. Um, which I tried it with a, with a game that I've been playing over the last two weeks, but I don't know. I, I'd start fiddling about with my like, TV's picture controls for like brightness and whatnot because suddenly the game was like a much darker yeah. i was like oh god this is horrible why yeah no go back to hdmi <laughs> please anyway yeah that's the update still no folders still no folders and hdmi shoes right just to swing it all the way back from netflix uh, the animated series um, Castlevania is coming back uh, this year on the 13th of May uh, for its fourth and final season which I'm a bit, bit sad about because I've absolutely loved the series so far although there's 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 uh, there's rumours about a potential spin-off coming from it which would be good I'd love to see him just continue with that world because it's absolutely bleak and Terrible, and I absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> Masochist. What, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they'll do with the last last series, and um, fingers crossed on that spin-off, hope, uh, hopefully. So a job advert has suggested that the next Bioshock game will be open world. Hmm. Sounds interesting. I'm not sure what I think about that. I think if it... if well, I think it's safe with anything, but if you can make it good then yeah but I just don't want it to tarnish the other games mm. I think if there's enough content and they can expand the world enough and make it interesting yeah. then it's fine but um, for me I'm, I just don't like these empty worlds where there's nothing much to do oh like, yeah yeah I agree with that like I think there was, there was arguments against stuff like um, what's, what's the recent open world that was kind of empty No Man's Sky that were a few years ago now but there's an argument that's it's not probably, it's technically probably not open world. world. Yeah. <laughs> um, open universe. Open universe. Well, no, Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn. I think there are sections in that game that can be fairly empty, other than just confined dinosaurs. There's no real interaction with the world, other than the kind of the cities that are dotted around. What I've noticed though is that there's a correlation between open world games. And a lack of content, impressive. No, it, of a lot of story. I don't think they work quite as well. 
in open world yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, Whereas, for my yeah, no, I can agree with that. Like in the Bioshock games, obviously they're a bit more linear, mm. and they had great stories. Well, two of them did. <laughs> Which two? Actually, actually, no, I enjoyed all three. I don't know what I'm saying. But... Infinite and two. <laughs> Ouch. I'm joking. It's kicking the first game now. <laughs> well, I, think, I do think open world games suffer in terms of story. So yeah, I if think this it's... new Bioshock, it's, I'm kind of a bit worried about, is this going to have a half-hour story? Well, I think oh. it's down to taste, because personally I do like um, like adventure, fairly linear adventure games that will tell me a story in between probably 8 and 12 hours, and yeah, it this just does, they do it really well. Um, I don't want to sink 50 to 100 hours into a game where I create my own character and have to venture around everywhere yeah. doing I... the same missions over and over again. To get much, loot and stuff like that. How much of this is going to be a grind? Mm. Don't know. I suppose we'll find out. I think I actually think there's something that the kind of more recent Far Cry games have an issue with. Like the it's, it's open world. I, I think there's a lot to do in it. There's loads of content and stuff. But the actual stories, I think, really suffered. Um, especially three. I think once. Um, once, uh, I don't want to say spoilers, but once a certain character has died that's clearly more interesting character, the story really tanks for me, and I'm just like, Sigh. it started becoming like a real struggle towards the end. Mm. I have one last piece of news. It was Nintendo having their Indie World Showcase. So showing off a lot of the indie games. I don't know if you watched it, Nathan. Um, I've not, no. no. Hey, I might have watched it. Did you watch it, Mark? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go through all the games that I saw. The, only, the ones that caught my eye um, in the showcase was there's, there's one that was called Road 96 that plays a bit like... Um, to me, it played like a bit like a, a first-person Telltale game where it's like... It seems... Um, generally how do you say um words are not my strongest suit or is it randomly generated procedurally generated yeah Yeah. procedurally generated is is the word i'm looking for words um i did well english uh (laughs) but it's it's got that kind of sense of uh procedurally generated um different routes and story beats depending on actions that you take and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, so it looks like you play as like a, a teenage girl where each interaction you have is different through each playthrough. So like um, you could be talking to some boy, you end up in like uh, a diner at one point or something else happens and you end up um, like catching a ride from, on like a massive, you know, four by four wheeler with some other dude who seems either shady or nice, depending on what you've done. Um, and, like, different things happen at different points. It's always, like, different each time, which looked interesting. Um, it's got a nice little graphical, graphic style to it as well. It's quite, I would say, cartoony, even more cel-shit, I should say, mm. which looked cool. Um, another one was called Oli Oli World, um, which sounds like it was a sequel from previous games called Oli Oli, I think. It's like a 2.5D skateboarding platformer. Yeah. Um, but it looked really cool. Graphically, it's, it's quite... Um, it's got a very distinct art style as well, which looks cool. So, 
Uh, looking forward to that. Um, there's a new 2D side-scroller Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. I've just uh, been looking at the showcase and everybody's waxing lyrical about this one. Yeah. And this is the crown jewel of this direct. <laughs> well, I think so, yeah. Well, actually, no. Maybe the, sec- like the second jewel behind the crown jewel for me, at least. But it looked cool. It looks like the old um, arcade game was like... Full player, 2D, Scott Scroll. Didn't we play that together? And it took us about 200 credits to get through it. <laughs> Do we yeah. do it well, the. Uh, was, it, was it the. National Music Museum. Museum. Yeah. Yeah. Where we had like infinite credits. So we, did, so we didn't have to play for it, yeah. We didn't have to go through all of it, but we were like, yeah. well, free credits, you know, never completed was, the game before. It's like we probably. Yeah, it's like we probably all played it when we were kids in arcades. Yeah. Like, we just all died in like. Probably end at first level as well. Yeah, <laughs> so, run right. out of money. <laughs> right, this is our one chance to get yeah. through it. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and last game for me that was interesting, which I think, at least in terms of like my own childhood, I, I absolutely want to play and get my hands on, is uh, the remake in The House of the Dead. Ooh. Mm. Um, graphically, it looks really nice, actually. They've really, like done the graphics up it's not like a it's not a remaster they've remade it from the ground up um everything looks exactly as you think from like the classic but just like better yeah uh and they've still got like the classy the, the classy the the cheesy classic lines from the original game they've kept them in just to like still keep that uh still kind of like a reminder of like the original game and just how absolutely weird and cheesy the dialogue was so for me that was like the best game out of that showcase so. did they um <laughs> did they show how they were it was going to work with the joy cons uh they did you going to be able to use them a bit like a gun or um i imagine i'll use like the gyroscope aiming um probably similar to like um you know, like pokemon let's go yes yeah. the gyroscope i imagine it'll be like that but that's the, there was no definitive day on that one. It was just available later this year. So, um, but I'm absolutely forward to that. One. Can't wait for that. That was like my childhood. Whenever I went to like, um, went to seaside holidays, like going to arcades. First thing there, yep, House of the Dead, Time Crisis, Point Blank. Love those games. So what we learned is that you just like shooting things. That's what yeah, I like shooting yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. I'm never allowed to play uh, shooting games when I was younger. Oh, no. Yeah, lived a sheltered life. Mm. <laughs> right, shall we move on to what we're currently playing? Oh, yeah, let's, on, let's do it. Matthew, you kick us off. Oh, me? Okay, then. This might be a, a, a little mixture of things. A mixed bag. Uh, yeah. First things first. Gone through Horizon Zero Dawn. Planned it. Ooh, get you. Oh, that's... that's Plan him everything. I want to be a plan in three this year. <laughs> I've, I've gone from doing three last year, which were the Spyro games, to already four this year. So, yeah, uh, I absolutely adore this game now, I think. I think I've got a lot more appreciation for it now that I've probably gone through it and learned the story, um, learned everything that's happened happened in um, in that world. And gone through the DLC as well, so the Frozen Wilds. Um, that was a challenging B. Uh, <laughs> not to finish that word off. Uh, they they introduce 
interesting about about only about three three new um, I suppose animal species, the robot animals. Um, but like they're the most toughest ones. Like they really give you a challenge. Um, you have to like relearn everything that you thought you did from like the base game in this one. Like all you need to do be a little bit more kind of patient with them. And um, to really use like your whole kind of arsenal of weapons as well. So, um, but I absolutely loved it. I've, I've loved my time um, playing as Aloy, and um, really looking forward to the next game, um, which hopefully shouldn't be too long. I believe it's this year. So enjoyed that. Um, the next game that I've got on my list that I want to go through, whether I platinum it or not, um, is going to be a different. No, well, you probably um, will. I don't. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm going through a middle of Shadow of Mordor. Um, so I remember getting this around the time it launched, which was, I think, pretty much around the time PS4 had come out or something like that. Pretty close. I'm pretty sure it was definitely one of the first games I got from a PS4, and I didn't. It it didn't grasp me enough for me to kind of. I, I didn't get very far, and I remember I only did like a few missions, and then I don't know, something must have come along that kind of took my attention away from it. Probably some like Destiny or um, probably Call of Duty Advanced Warfare around that time as well. So um, I just didn't, I just didn't get on at that time. But I wanted to kind of give it another proper go this time around and see how, see whether, whether what I remember back then was the same now um and going through a lot more of it I, I think i'm enjoying it more now that i've unlocked kind of more abilities i can do a little bit more in terms of like um how i come across the various kind of captains um in the game that you can take out like each captain's got a different set of strengths and weaknesses and you learn kind of what's best to kind of take them down and stuff um and the game isn't isn't as challenging as I remember it, but I think that's more because at certain points, if you get into a fight and like suddenly just hordes of orcs come at you, it's a lot more kind of bad to kind of just run off and um, kind of come back at a later date because like orcs, once you get swarmed, it's it's a ridiculous um, ordeal of like fighting different type of orcs, um, which ones can knock you off when you try and jump over and which ones can kill you in one hit or like which ones are like just throwing spears or shooting arrows at you from a distance and they can be tricky to dodge. Um, and then if Cordors, no, is it Cordors? Cardos, something like that, like these massive beasts that you can ride come in and get themselves involved and that's even worse, so... I think I'm, I'm playing a little bit more smart in this time around, but I don't know. The story's just not really grasped me. I'd, maybe if I get through a lot more of it, I might eventually get into it. But at the moment, I'm just kind of just going along with it and just kind of going from one thing with the other without really thinking much about the story. I don't know. It's not really grasped me at all. Um, but... The reason why I say I don't know if I'll platinum it is because there's um, there's these missions where you can you go through them all and you can eventually upgrade your like you've got like a, a sword a dagger and a bow and there's these like 
legendary versions of these weapons that you can get, but you got to do like 10 of each to get it. Um, but one of the sword ones that I've been trying to do that's inside this cave, as soon as I try and activate it, game crashes. I just, I, I don't know how to get around it. So if I can't do that, then automatically I can't platinum the game. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm getting really frustrated by that. So I'm like, there was at one point when it crashed like a second time, I was like, I don't think I'm going to play this game again. I'm just going to leave it. I just can't be bothered. <laughs> but I think I'll get through the story and then I'll see if somehow that mission is reacts better once I'm further on in the story. Maybe I'm at a certain point that it's just for some reason crashes all the time. But I've like uninstalled and reinstalled the game based on a forum post saying that I should fix it, but it didn't. Hmm. Um, so that's a little frustrating, but I'm getting through that. Um, another game that I've been going through is Tennis World Tour 2. Um, so I quite enjoy majority of tennis games. I quite like tennis in general. I'm not good at it, but I like the sport. And whenever I've played stuff like Virtual Tennis Series or Top Spin ones, they've been really good tennis games I've really enjoyed them um and I've always been kind of like wanting like a new tennis game like I've not had one for like close to like 10 years or so so um I thought I'd put this up because it got decent reviews um I remember playing the first one wanting to support that and coming away from it thinking it controlled really badly and it was actually not like good but I kind of like wanted to give it another go sort of thing and when I started playing this it seemed like the AI kind of always hit like the lines all the time, and it was frustrating to to play to a certain extent. But then, kind of once I started once I started playing exhibition matches and playing with actual pros and stuff, I actually felt a lot better. So I thought, okay, well maybe it's just my creative character that I've got in this creative mode. The stats just aren't good enough to do what I need to, so maybe I just need to kind of wait until my character stance get better and then maybe I'll start enjoying it. And I did to a certain extent. Like I started finally kind of winning tournaments and getting up the ranks and stuff. So um, it's it's not bad. It's I definitely play something like Virtual Tennis 3 or Mario Tennis over it because they just feel it's more fun. better. <laughs> yeah, I think like the more arcade-feeling tennis games feel much better to play. Um, but it's... It's not a bad effort. Graphically, it looks nice. Um, the sounds are okay. I kind of wish the crowd would react a little bit more to to stuff that happens. Like, if you go into a long rally, like, the crowd should be a little bit more kind of, ooh, you know, like, oh, and stuff. But, um, well, they're all told to be, well, they're all told <laughs> to be quiet, aren't they? They're not supposed to. Well... Yeah. They are, unless like a long rally starts going in and like a shot goes in, they think like, oh, they've done it, and then like suddenly the players brought it back and they're like, oh no, and stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I just wish they'd kind of emote a little bit more. But uh, it's it's okay. Um, I'd like to get a little bit more into it into my career. Um, so one of a game that I've touched um, a little bit on. I've not got too far into it because I'm not sure how far I will really want to go into it because I kind of want the next-gen version to come out before I get too far 
Cyberpunk 2077 besides jump in because I can't buy it digitally. Uh, thanks, Sony, still going there. But... <laughs> well, um, with reason. With reason, yeah. There's obviously a reason. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sony, well, for not, you know. not letting me buy a broken game. <laughs> I mean, it's not as broken as it used to be. Maybe. I don't know. I've not got that far. <laughs> I, take it, I take it you've had no issues so far, then. I've had no issues other than um, I've seen Jackie walk through a door that was closed. And I was like... This is what happened to you, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I Someone walked through a door. Yeah. He walked through the elevator doors that were still closed. I'm like, how do you... I, uh, fine, okay. He's a ghost. What yeah. um, What option did you pick to start your player? Um, so I've gone down the street punk... Uh, Street kid, yeah, yeah. Street kid, yeah. Street I think kid. we've all picked um, a different one, haven't we? Yeah, you went corporate. Didn't you? I went corporate. I you went, went like, yeah. Well, that's that's why I went through the street punk because I remember um, Nifton went corporate and Marty went down the um, nomad, the nomads one. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll be the, I'll, I'll go down the other one then to try and see what that's like. Um, so far, I'm actually enjoying it. I do like, I do like what kind of the story is kind of leading me to. Um, kind of and the world as well like the first time that i got to see night city in kind of all mm. of its grandeur i was like actually this is pretty impressive um mm. like graphically graphically it still looks really nice um i, I want that next gen version uh, version though because i'm sure it looks just even better yeah but so far i've i found it fine um the the gunplay. I was talking to a friend of mine about how the guns feel, and I think I think we're in kind of a little bit of an agreement that like the guns feel like there's no real weight to them or real have an actual impact when you shoot. That's odd because when I played it, I thought it did. Maybe that's just really. Me. It, it might Although it was like, a while ago because I played it just yeah. after it launched, but oh, well. I can't remember. Um, it might be just kind of my years of playing kind of Cold Duty and Battlefield games, but like you know, when you, when you shoot a gun in Cold Duty, you really hear it, and like you get like the feedback from it. It's, you know, you're like, oh, this is yeah. this is probably how the gun feels in real life, probably. Um, but I think it's it's one of the weak areas I think for Cyberpunk at the moment. I've not used too many guns. So I've used as like um, a handgun that you get at the start of the game, and um, I picked up a, an assault rifle from a dead body. Does it make much use of the haptic feedback? Not at the moment, because it's, yeah, it's still just, technically the PS4 version that I'm playing. Because I'm just wondering, maybe that'll change things when, um, when I hope so. Comes. I hope when they finally give the PS5 kind of update to it, like they really use all of... I can see the game really use the haptic feedback quite a lot, like especially for like driving and stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, so far, I thought it's all right. Um, a little disappointed, I thought the customize options, I thought they were going to be really buried. And yeah, it's, it's not like it's, it's not, not massively like on, is it? Like, yeah. there, there is a good number of options. But I was like expecting like full on um, cybernetics, you know, stuff like, oh, I could, I could like have like a cybernetic head or something, or I could do something with like the body and legs. But I think that's. Mm. Then that's when you get into the game and you start picking up the upgrades, like the Cybernet upgrades, and that's when you start getting that kind of stuff. But mm. even then, I was expecting a little bit more for like face options and stuff. But it's fine, you know. Um, met a guy who's got a thing down under, so you know. <laughs> uh, 
didn't didn't get too realistic, uh, too realistic, too mental with those options. But yes, it's all right. It's uh, it's not too bad. I've only got about I think a couple of hours in, so I've not really explored everything. But I think I'll go back to it at some point. I don't know if I want to. I think like I said, I, I kind of want to get to a point where I, just, I don't want I want the next gen upgrade to really explore the options. Yeah, you can see how, how good this yeah. game is, but you never know. I, I might end up going through a lot of it, and then I could always just do like a second playthrough once the upgrade comes through, I suppose. Well, it might be like GTA 5 because I'm sure you guys played it on like the 360 PS3 and then you replayed it on um, PS4 and Xbox, so yeah. might be the case. Could be, could be. Some, some of that I think I would, I would like to see in this game would be a third person option, mm. like. Maybe it's just I, I want to see my character once I start getting like new styles and stuff. Like I, I really want to see what it looks like, but we'll see. Yeah, I think if it were third person, to me, um, like with the world being the way it is, it'd feel a little bit like Crackdown. Um, Would that be a bad thing? If it's the third one, then yeah. <laughs> Never played the third one, so I thought the th- yeah. first two were quite nice. But oh yeah, I've crap I've really me. enjoyed. Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, he said it. Hey. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed like the first one, and definitely I, I didn't get too far into number two, but I've played quite a bit of number three, and it's just mm. it's not there for me. But anyway, that's true. Uh, the only thing I want, the only thing I want to show off, um, and I'm going to suddenly change this. Um, segment from currently playing to currently buying slash reading uh is reading. a little book okay. that i got um from uh, i think i don't know if there was a kickstart for it but there was like a GoFund stuff for it and it immediately caught my eye and you guys will recognize it as soon as i show it once i show it to the camera a little book that's called itchy tasty mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, and it's like okay. it's like it's a book that accounts like essentially the history of development from like the first Resident Evil up to like the fourth one. So it's got a lot of like developer interviews and like stories of like the game development for all the games between uh, those four. Um, I've started reading a little bit of it, and I'm, it's it's really interesting actually reading some of the um, stuff from the developers, like how the games came about and the ideas and stuff so i've not got too far but i really recommend it for anyone who's like a massive resident evil nerd and wants to know more about the um the history of those four games so um yeah that's what i've been playing slash reading uh what about you nathan yes so i'm gonna start with something that i think you'd probably want to talk about as well matt so I recently played a demo, um, the Resident Evil Village demo called Medium. Maiden, well, done that um, to yourself. Maiden, it's called Maiden. Maiden, is it? I thought it was yeah. Medium. <laughs> Medium. I'm I'm getting so mixed scared. Up with that, actually, yeah, so. I forgot. I, I'm actually probably glad I didn't say because I've also played that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll let you go for it because I bet your experience is probably a bit different to me. Well, um, when I first uh, woke up in that cell and looked around, mm. I thought. This brickwork looks absolutely amazing. Um, oh, yeah, graphically. I, I was absolutely blown away of how the graphics look on this demo. 
Yeah, I've not completed the demo yet, so you could probably talk more on that oh, side of things. That's how far you got, weren't um, you? Just stare at the bricks. That into, oh, yeah, yeah, that's bricks. It. I think this cell seems like a safe place. I will stay here. I live here now. <laughs> this is my place. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. It's like, they can't get to me. It's all good. Um, yeah, the, I, uh, I only got it installed about an hour before we started recording this podcast, so I've not played a lot of it. Because um, it... I don't know why, but Matt's voice came into my head and said, oh, have you not downloaded that yet, Nathan? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I decided just, just to download it. Download I could, the demo, Nathan. I can remember you mentioning it earlier this week or something, and it just popped into my head that you'd mentioned it. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, firstly, it just it does look absolutely fantastic. It's got it's got such an an atmosphere to it. Yeah. You can almost smell the flesh. It just, it the graphics just convey so much, mm. and the atmosphere and everything. Um, so basically, you wake up in this cell. Um, I found a note. I've read that and found how I can get out of my cell. Mm-hmm. And now I'm exploring the catacombs. Mm. And um, one thing that shook me to the core in the letter that I read was that you can't let them see. I'm like. Who, who are they? <laughs> and then I were like, right, maybe I'm just going to stay here in this cell with my letter and just walk around a bit. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, anyway, I've um, so I've explored the catacombs a bit. I've come to a door that I can't get through yet. Um, I've managed to get into a few cells because um, I found this body, which had um, some cutting um, equipment lodged in the person's yeah, back. Yeah, bolt cutters. Um, yeah, so I managed to get them, so I can now get into the other cells and explore a bit. Um, I found a guy that was hang, well, that was hanging that didn't have any legs, so I imagine he got legless the day before. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm a bit scared to continue now because I'm lacking like my little safe <laughs> space where I've explored and I know where everything is. I know. So I'm at a point but... where I need. <laughs> I'm at a point now where I can like get through this door and continue. Mm. Um, but you don't want it. And yeah, yeah I, I that's it. it. The game makes me feel bad inside. I don't want to <laughs> experience what might come. Oh. I, maybe I shouldn't um, talk about my experience things. You've not go gone on, that far. Go on, do it. Do it. Talk about my experience. Um, so. Yeah, um, I'm incredibly impressed with like the the whole atmosphere and like this is kind of like how how it's gonna feel like playing the full game. I'm hoping not all the time because that would, I, no. Uh, <laughs> don't want to feel like this. Yeah, I don't want to feel like that all the time. But um, yeah, I I was impressed with the with the demo. Um, graphically, just probably one of the one of the best looking. Um, PS5 games at least at the moment so far. Just like the amount of detail and um, the lighting as well. The lighting is so good. Especially when, once you do get sort of past the catacombs bit, you'll get into kind of the main um, so like the main hall of this I think it's like a mansion of some sort. Um, but like all the lines just really nice. The colours really pop where they need to um, and just attention to detail to everything it's just amazing like at one point I, I got as far as you well I've got like the bulk cutters I didn't kind of really know 
where else to kind of go because like i was going to some of the cells where there's like the bodies hanging and stuff mm. and i started going back to one of my cells and um i don't really want to spoil it but something happens that that made me jump absolutely made me jump well uh, <laughs> i'm i'm not playing this anymore yeah so but then like i eventually go through and then at some point you've got to find uh you go find like an eye for a door because there's like a face on this door where like one eye's filled and one's not so you gotta find that somewhere um and then there's you start hearing voices um which isn't good like i eventually find the eye um i find a key to be able to get out of the place and then when i once i get to like the main hall and start going downstairs um one of the which doors thing saying like i'm watching you i was like what but i don't see you um but as soon as i get down and start going towards the, the door that i need to go to she just appears um so and you've got kind of nothing to defend yourself with so you gotta kind of like find a way to get around her through the door and then go on to unlock like the final door that you need to um mm-hmm. and that's kind of like where the demo ends i won't tell you how the demo ends because i think you should experience it for yourself but um i'm massively impressed with the demo and just can't can't wait to play the the new demos that come out and then finally get my hands on the game so mm. not long to go now no yeah um yeah so other than that um, I've been continuing to play Immortals Phoenix Rising. Still really enjoying that. Um, so I've managed to... Well, I've managed to kind of get three out of four of the gods to um, basically resurrect them to their full power. Because in-game, um, this um, tyrant called Typhon has basically stripped the um, Greek gods down to like nothing basically and you've basically got to find the gods and like get their essence in effect to in order to restore them to the former glory and then once you've restored the four gods then you can go and fight typhon um so i'm i'm just on the fourth god now called Hephaestus, and um he's been turned into like a robot without any hands um so it's, it's quite cool because you learn about each god individually so for example, um, with Ares, the god of war, they turned him into um, a chicken. And it's just weird stuff like that. And then they act like a chicken. And then um, you kind of learn about the gods and what they gave to humanity in terms of the Greek law uh, individually, which is quite interesting as you do the missions and um, dungeons and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'm, at the minute, um, Hephaestus was like the, the god that gave us like industry and he built a lot of things so i'm currently trying to get um this kind of warehouse working at the minute um so i've got the um furnaces working um and i'm now working to try and get the rest of it together um and then hopefully after all that's done he'll be happy and then i'll be able to try and find his essence and then get him back to his full power and then at that stage i'll be able to go and fight typhon so i think i'm like pretty close to the end of the game at this point um but yeah i've I've really enjoyed it so far um there is actually some dlc for it and that gives it like more of like a an eastern influence um but i've heard some mixed um, reviews about it so i'm not quite sure if i want to 
delve into that because I'm enjoying the Greek mythology mythology so much. Um, but we'll see. I'll see if I hunger for more after I finish the main game. Um, so yeah, hopefully I'll have, well I'll probably finish that by the time we um, we speak again. So the next the next game I've been playing is um, a, well if you had an Xbox 360 you'll you'll probably have played this at some point. Um, so it's a game called Hexic HD, and it was the Xbox Live Arcade game that was automatically installed on your 360 when you first got it. Um, now, if you've never played it before, it's like a, it's kind of like a grid-based game where you've got to match colours together um, to get through levels. Um, mm. So you, it's kind of like a revolving thing, so you move your cursor to a certain set of these hexagons and then you turn it round, and then that'll create three to come, to come together. Then they'll disappear, and you've basically got to rack up points and try not to um, kind of be exploded by these mines that try and end your game. And there's other things that you've got to do. Um, funnily enough, um, just to move on to something slightly different, we had this one guy at school, and his mum got him all the achievements for that game. And, and, like, she was an absolute legend. <laughs> I, I could never do it personally. Um, I'm still trying to this day. Like, how many years that on? Yeah. But I, you can sink so much time into it. It's really addicting, I feel like. Oh, I'll just jump on Exit HD for, like, 10 minutes while I wait for something to download. And I'm just there an hour later, like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? But I've, I, re- I really enjoyed it. It's like it just t- takes me back to my childhood of simpler times when I'm in school. Um, and all I've got to worry about is um, maths and English and science and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was good. Um, and lastly, uh, the only other game that I've been playing is um, Forza Horizon 4. So I got that installed on the Series X and it looks absolutely amazing. Um, I didn't think it could look any better, but it just looks absolutely fantastic. Um, The only reason that I decided to get it installed is because um, somebody told me that there's um, a level, well, not a level, a a section um, of a place that I used to go as a kid. Um, So we used to go to somewhere called Derwent. It's a dam, and uh, we used to drive around it and uh, like bike around it and stuff and feed the ducks and all that good stuff and i'm like oh wow if that's there i've got to just go and check it out and see see what it's like to see how accurate it is um and to be fair it does seem fairly accurate but the shop's not in the right place there's a lot less ducks well there's no ducks at all um but like the dam itself is absolutely fantastic and um maybe me i drove up to the top of the dam and drove off the edge and (laughs) (laughs) fell into the field um, but yeah, it's, it was just great, like to just drive around it, and from there, I just was just I just got sucked into playing the game. I just like drove around and just it's just so peaceful, just driving. Um, like in the game, um, you can like see other drivers, and and they've got like your friends like gamer tags on there, so you think oh, I'm going to run him off a road, um, <laughs> stuff like that. But but bar that. Um, I was just like peacefully driving around the countrysides and um, just having a really good time with it. To be honest, I'm not too far into like the main story of it yet, because when I get on it, I, I go on it with the best intentions of 
like, all right, I'll play a bit of the career side of it and, and get that done. But I ended up just driving around, looking at things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic game. Like, if um, I think you've got it, haven't you, Mark? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, if you've not got it installed on your Series X yet, yeah, definitely get get that. I've got it installed, but I'm not I'm not played it on Series X yet. Mm. Yeah, I mean it is a, it is fantastic. Whichever console you play it on, it's great. Just a great game. Yeah, and that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, what about you, Mark? Right, so I've only played one game, but it's taken up quite a little bit of time. Not quite finished it, and very close to finishing it. I think I'm on the last chapter now, and that was. Watch Dogs Legion. Ooh. When did you get that? Uh, just after the last podcast, I think. Oh, nice. So pretty much be spending all my time playing that. So without going too much into the story, really, but it's basically set in a near-future dystopian London. And at the start, a bad thing happens. And the London seller of the hacker group DeadSec, you know, who's been in the previous games, yeah, uh, a frame for it, and then they get disbanded. And in the wake of what happened, the government give policing powers to a company called Albion mm. uh, to restore order and to bring down the remaining members of DedSec. And mm. London ends up becoming like this surveillance state where, you know, with drones and extensive use of, you know, the CTOS system and that mm. was devised by Bloom, which has also appeared in the previous games. Uh, and you start as a lonely operative, so you get to select, uh, it gives you a bunch of options for an operative to select you begin the game as that operative and then it's up to you to recruit citizens of london to join your cause and rebuild dead sec and mm. then and discover what happened um it's a, it's actually a really good representation of london and british life in general things i was actually quite impressed oh, yeah. with that. it's like all the all the tourist spots are there you know trafalgar square piccadilly circus Bookhouse. house mm-hmm. uh, all there they're all there and they all look really nice and everything, but what I tell you, what really confused me about when I was start playing this is that driving on the left hand side of the road, what really really confused me <laughs> because you know because all these open world games like usually set in America and all that, mm, so you end up like yeah. driving on the so right. You go drive on the right. So. Yeah, so so obviously it's back in Britain there, so I'm driving on the left. Go drive on the left. Yeah. The amount of times I've ploughed into oncoming cars because they keep going on the right. right. Yeah. It's like, even though it's the correct side of the road, it's just like, I don't, I just, I don't know why I've done that. It's important. It is the correct right so side. Yes, it is, it is the correct side of the road. It's the, it's the only side that you should be driving. Uh, the NPC dialogue is pretty entertaining. There's a lot of oh, yeah. British slang and swearing along the way mm-hmm. like, for people on the streets. Oh, I. Um, yeah. I can't go into that further, but it's quite funny. Um, the recruitment process. Now, this is so, you know, they made a big thing about this when the whole thing with the game was yeah, announced yeah. about the you can recruit everyone anyone you want in london and i thought right is this is going to be quite limited isn't it they're going to have like 12 skills maybe and they're just going to be randomly allocated to people on the street and it'll just be whatever but actually it's it's surprisingly well done you you can actually hire anyone in the city so there's like a little tramp or something yep you can yeah you can <laughs> a tramp if you want she's Hobo coder, hobo hacker. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So everyone's got like their own unique skill sets, and some are negative as well. There's like ones where you might hire someone, but they're a shopaholic. So as you're playing the game, if you're playing as a different operative, 
that person might go and spend some of your money without you know, and you'll just get a notification. Right, so, we've uh, hired Nathan. Can you sack him? You can. You can get rid of operatives if you want. I think you can have up to 45 in total. Jesus, that's a lot. Mm. And you can, you don't have to, you can also like, if you find someone that you're interested in, in trying to recruit, but you don't want to do it there and there because you have to do a mission to, to recruit them. Mm. You can like tag them, basically, and then you can come back and do it at a later time. So you won't lose that person. Oh, that's nice. Some of the unique skills that are given to them are a bit out there. So, for instance, I saw an old lady on the street, and because you know you sc- you, you can you scan the operative first, you know you hack into their device and it gives you like yeah. the things, the, the skills that they have. And she had a grenade launcher. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's like right. fair enough. But... Go on, Mavis. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, and everyone has an occupation too. So I've hired a hypnotist. So, and uh, also a sex worker. <laughs> Why <All> not? Right. <laughs> Yeah, Gotta keep morale up. Yeah. <laughs> so um the city is like separated into the different boroughs. And if you do like three side missions in each borough, you unlock like a skilled operative. Which are really useful. Okay. Uh two standouts for these. These these are like the two main characters that main, main people have used. Is there's one for a spy character. So they come with a silence pistol, a, a like a weapon jamming watch uh, and a right, car James model. Bond? Yeah, exactly. And a car model than an Aston Martin DB5. So it's, oh, clearly, sp- yeah, it's clearly, it's supposed clearly supposed to represent James Bond, yeah. James Bond. But the other one, this is really, I really like this one is uh, a professional hitman, And he has like a desert Eagle, an automatic machine gun, just combat roles and execution moves. And he's modeled on John wick. <laughs> yeah. That's desert really cool. Desert Eagle. Jesus. I think it's a desert Eagle. He's got, yeah. Loud as hell. Yeah, he's quite loud. He's he's not a stealthy boy. No, no, no. That's, that's for the spy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One's the action type. The other one's for the for the stealth. So that's why I've kind of used both of them. I can see. <laughs> uh, one thing, a negative I'm going to give to the game is its accents of the characters. So obviously, because you can hire anyone. I think it just like randomly allocates an accent to whoever. Okay. Just based on gender, maybe. And you're just like that voice does not go with that character model at all. It's some of them are just really weird. Now you know in other Ubisoft open world games, you know, of course, um, got blank. What are they called? The other ones. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> in the Assassin's Creed games, you know, you can do um, you you got climbing and all that, so it's a lot easier. To, to traverse the environment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, that is one thing Watch Dogs hasn't really been able to do. It's like, a lot of things have been low-key on the ground, mostly, mm. particularly the second game, because yeah. that was over like a wider area, generally flat. But this, there's a lot more verticality to this game, and it helps okay. because you can, you can take control of drones, the, the delivery drones, no, cargo drones, that's what they're called, and you can actually mm. climb up on them, and then oh, you can like ride them. hijack them and then ride them whenever you want. So that's really oh, good. That's cool. Because on previous games, it's been like, oh, you have to find like the window washing thing on the side of a building to then drop down, yeah. then get in, to then go up. And it was just a bit of a faff, really. Whereas this is just like you switch to your construction worker, and their one of their skills is you can call in a cargo drone, get on it, up to the top. There you go, job's done. 
So it's a lot better that. Uh, another negative is, well, graphically, it looks nice in terms of like the city and all that. But the draw distance on vehicles is poor. Um, they just like spawn not too far ahead of you. And this is like, it's, it's a bit like Thanos' snap. They just come in, in and out of existence <laughs> randomly. It's well, here's a car. <laughs> it's odd. It's like I was heading towards like a T junction, mm. and like you're really not far away, and then suddenly you just see it phase into existence or just phase out of existence. It's really bizarre because you can see further down the road. Yeah. Just, I, I, I don't know what all that was about. What um what version did you of so you got the series uh, did X you play version, this? Didn't you? Series X. Yeah, Series X. So it's optimized on Series X. Well, it says it's optimized on Series X. It's to be honest, I I don't think it has much difference from the previous. But if it was, if I played it on last year, what's one thing I really noticed is you know as I played Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order previously, and I said mm-hmm. I put that on performance mode, mm. and now that there's no such option for that on this, and you can tell the difference in terms of frame rates. Oh boy, when I first started playing, it, I'm like this just feels terrible. Was I mean, it like? Thirty frames per second, or yeah, yeah. Well, it feels like it anyway. Mm. But it's just like you can... you've got to think that at least push it for sixty if it's been optimized for you a next gen console. But it, it certainly doesn't feel because like, I I felt the difference afterwards when I came off a Jedi Fallen Order and put this on. It's like first thing I did as soon as I got into game was like, well, right, where's the where's the option? Where's the option to change this? Where's the performance <laughs> option? Just like nope, not there. It's like really, I need sixty frames. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing, a good thing that about the game is that it's unlike all these other Ubisoft games, they're not overwhelming in terms of like the markers all over the map mm. and things like that. That's one really good thing about it. It's there are side missions, but they're not all over the place. It's just it's quite easy. A disappointing factor was the the London Underground. Now it's got fast travel points, so you can travel between different underground stops, mm. mm-hmm. but you can't actually go down onto the underground. Which I was sad about. Oh, mm. it would have been nice to like sit in tube and go to where you want to go and yeah. uh, just see everyday Londoners not talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you can only just like go to the turnstile and then that's it. You just that's what you do. But yeah, as I said earlier, they have done like British culture quite well. And there's a, a nice little side option in the uh, like in the parks. They'd be like a football on the floor, mm. and you can just do keep you up with on it. <laughs> It's like a keep you up a challenge. Oh, cool. And all you do is just press the shoulder buttons. Just alternate the shoulder buttons. You just see how long you can go. And then, I don't know how I seem to mess it up, but I did. I did. Maybe the time was terrible. But the the what the crowning moment for me was I walked into a pub and I, I kid you not, on the radio, it was playing Three Lions. And I thought, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And I thought, this, this, is, this, this, is, this is, I'm home. In the pub, the work pie, on this. Listening to three lines. Do they have great. any real ales on, Mark? Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't examine the pumps actually. I have to do that. You but, can uh, you can hire like a you can recruit a hooligan, can't you? Like a football hooligan, I think. Yes, well, I've got I've got I've got the full hooligan. It's one of the skilled operatives. Yeah, and they um, skilled at caving heads in. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, they're takedowns, so you can like do silent takedowns. Uh, I've got a female football hooligan and she just heads butts them. It's just like Yeah, that sounds about want, right. Want it, want it back. Like thing. Want it back and then they turn around and it's just like bosh straight in the head. And then she does like a little taunt 
afterwards, it's like it's quite funny. Our team's better than your team. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as I say, I've not finished yet, but I, I am very close because I've I've kind of looked at how many chapters there are, and I've, I'm oh. on the fi- I'm on the final chapter, and there's like three missions on it. So I'm very close to finishing. But when I, when I finish, I think I'm just going to go on a nice sightseeing tour of London, just to bring it all in. Cap it all off. Dystopian yeah. London. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of recognisable parts, but uh, is there any uh, is there any football stadiums in it? Not that I've seen, oh. or maybe there is I've not recognised. Because yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be an entire replication. It's going to no. be some condensed, I think. It'd be nice Somewhere. if it was like flying past like Wembley stadiums. But I but I don't know where those areas are supposed to be off the top of my head. So I might just have a look at a map of London and see yeah, where they should be. And go on <laughs> yeah. It's got like all the things along the Thames, really. Although I don't think it's got the um, Millennium Dome. I've not noticed it. Hmm. Oh, that's a bit disappointing. It's got like all the big ones, you know, the Shard and. What's I say weird... they got like the Shard. Yeah, what's that weird shaped building? Well, the Gherkin. Uh, the Gherkin is in it, but I'm not thinking of that one. That one that kind of curves inside, curves in. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. But anyway, that's. I, don't, I don't live in London, so. <laughs> Uh, it's got the London Eye. That's there as well. Oh, that's nice. Can you get on it? Do you know? Um, I've not tried. Is the uh... around it, but I've not physically as as my character tried going on it. Mm. Is the Tower of London there? Yes, the Tower of London is. That's it's that's integral to the story. But yeah, I can yeah I can imagine it being one part of the story. That's cool. Um, I have to say it. I, it is my favourite Watch Dogs game. I do think it is the best one, but maybe that's a bit biased because it's say London. Maybe I don't know, but I do. I do think I think it's got more to it than the previous ones, and I think that recruitment process works a lot better than I thought it would. Good, and I think that's like the standout thing about it, and that separates it from the other ones. So yeah, but no, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm hoping maybe later tonight I'll be able to finish that. <laughs> yeah, good, good, really good. Okay, shall we move on to the video game hall of fame? Shall we? Yes. So this is where we take an in-depth look at a game of high quality or historical importance and induct it into our pantheon of games we feel deserve special recognition. Our inductee this episode was released in 1998 for the N64, developed and published by Nintendo. It's The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's the one. It's my choice. So why was it your choice? What is it about this game then? Um, It's... Just something about this game uh, in my childhood that I just uh, absolutely loved. Um, just kind of the the amount of stuff that you could do in it, um, and obviously being kind of one of the first kind of major three uh, D games of its time. Um, I think it just kind of nailed three D quite well for for what it did, and really added a lot to the series that like I thought um, I thought they wouldn't be able to reach kind of since uh, Link to the Past it just it just kind of brought that world of Hyrule to life in a way that no other game had done previously and yeah just like it's just, it's just a fun just a fun little game to play as well like controls at the time um, with Spawn um, I love the Z-targeting against enemies and being able to have more ways of 
combine them and stuff. So I'd be able to, you know, parry and flip away from uh, attacks and stuff. And then having a normal jab with the sword or a swing or being able to have a jumping attack that does more damage. Um, there's just a lot that in this game um, that just felt they nailed it um, in 1998 that I think Child Me um, just loved. What's the story about? The story. Um, nice. So uh, the story kind of starts off with there being some sort of curse that has kind of hit the, the land of Hyrule. Um, and it's kind of first targeted, um, it's, it's first kind of hit by this ancient tree um, in the, the great Deku tree. Yeah, the great Deku tree um, in the Kokiri forest. Um, so as it as it kind of starts, um, the tree um, asks a little fairy uh, creature called Navi to um, fetch the, I suppose, kind of like the chosen child, I suppose, or the, the child that doesn't fit in with the Kokiris because he's not actually a Kokiri um, for one reason or another. Um, so he plays uh, this character, uh, this boy called... Traditionally you can call whatever you want. Yeah. Traditionally, it's called Link, but you can technically call him whatever you want. Um, call him Poo-Poo Face or something. I don't know. Um, it makes the text stuff kind of interesting. Um, so, at first, you need to find a sword, um, which is like hidden in this kind of maze stuff. You find the sword, then you need a shield because you need to prove to... Um, I forgot what it's called. It's like other kid who's like protecting the way in like you can't get past him i'm just going to interject here that kid's yeah. so annoying because <laughs> he's like cussing you out he's basically yeah, when you go to like, him he says oh you, you need a sword and shield you've not even yeah. got a fairy like look have you seen navi behind me yeah she's like, right there has been like uh like everyone that's born in this forest gets their own fairy but like you've come in kind of the outside you don't get a fairy and suddenly the great dick who tree gives you a fairy so now he's like all jealous and stuff oh well you've not got sword and shield you need to get them um so you get your sword you get enough rupees to buy a shield once you've got them you finally get up to and you speak to the great doku tree who's saying you know curses has been put upon him you need to um lift this curse from him and get the um the sacred stone of the kakiris um the kakiris emerald yeah that's it uh, glad you're here, Nathan. Because um, I'm going off this on memory. <laughs> so you go inside the Great Ducky Tree. You find that um, a lot of enemies have spawned, and this is where I will initially admit that as a child of at least kind of a nine ten, this is probably where I actually stopped playing this game. It is until I come back to it fourteen when I'm fourteen fifteen, and <laughs> uh, I brave enough to go through this this initial part because you go through you go through most of um the great Ducker tree um dungeon and there's certain enemies in there that child me does not like and adult me is still a bit skish about uh <laughs> uh called skull toolers who are how best to describe them it'd be if a tarantula started wearing a human skull on them oh lord <laughs> Uh, so terrifying. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like, I mean, graphically, they, they look kind of funny now, looking back at them. But like, as a child, me, with uh, the imagination that I had that time, I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm not going any further than this. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrifying. I don't want to play this anymore. Um, but they've got quite, there's not a lot of them actually in the dungeon, but they're enough that like, they're a bit of a, an annoyance. So you go through the dungeon, um, and in tradition, in traditional Zelda fashion, each dungeon has an item that you use that helps you get through kind of more of the dungeon and also helps with the boss of that dungeon. So you go through, the boss is Goma, who is like a queen Goma, sorry. She's like the queen arachnids in the yeah. game. Uh, and the best way to defeat her is to... So she's crawling along the ceiling. You hear her in her eye. She falls. She gets confused. You hear her more times in the eye with your sword. Eventually, you defeat her. You get the emeralds. Um, Cockery's emerald. Um, but then you come out of the Great Dugger Tree and he tells you you need to f- meet with the princess in the, the Hyrule Castle. At which point, then he ends up kind of freezing like the curse like you lift the curse boost too late he ends up like freezing or something i'm not sure what the actual effect is but he, like he essentially dies so you got to leave the forest before you leave the forest you meet up with a character called um saria i think you, you that's how you pronounce her name uh and she gives you this ocarina it's like a child gift she wants you to have it it'll help you how you don't find out until later on, but it's a bit of a weird thing. I, okay, I'm singing my song for it. That's a bit weird, but fair enough. Um, and then you get into the Hyrule Forest, uh, not Hyrule Forest, so Hyrule, I suppose, land. Oh, it's just called Hyrule, but it's like this massive kind of, I suppose, this, this is like the hub world for that connects you to everywhere in the game. And like this point, is, this is the point where it's like, wow, this game really opens up and has this massive world, which is pretty cool. Um, and then this annoying owl comes in and tells you to do stuff and is it appears throughout the entire game telling you what you need to do. Um, and if you I, if you try and skip through what he says a lot and at some point I'll ask you, did you get all that? And for some reason, the default option is always on no, of <laughs> yes, no. So if you're skipping through real quick and then you click no, He'll go through everything that he's just said again. It's like, yeah. Plus the text, the text goes so <laughs> yeah, slowly in the game. You can't yeah. skip it, so you're like, oh no, not this again. Yeah, it's just like, why? I don't so you will read again. it. Why is why is default on no? Should be yes. I understand everything. Stop it. Uh, so you go through, you go through um, Hyrule. Uh, you make your way to the castle. Um, I always find every time. I've done a playthrough of Ocarina of Time. First time you go through, I never seem to get to the castle before it goes nighttime. So there's like a day and night cycle that lasts about two, about a minute and a half, two minutes for each cycle, roughly. They're not long, but I always seem to never get to the castle before it goes night. So when it goes night, the the job the drawbridge to the castle lifts up, so you can't get into the castle when it's night. But you have to end up finding these like. Um, I think they're called skull skullfers. Essentially, like skull creatures. They look like knights sometimes. Um, mm. That you have to fight throughout the night. You have to like last night until it gets back to morning, and then the drawbridge comes back down. 
So you eventually get through, you're in Hyrule Market, and then you eventually get to Hyrule Castle, where you have to navigate yourself around uh, guards to get to to meet the princess eventually. Um, and you talk to the princess, she's like, oh, you'll, you seem familiar, the person that's like, I met this kid in green in my dreams, do you have this emerald you should say that you do and then she's like oh that's brilliant um there's this bad guy who's talking to my father at the moment who i think's like wants to take over hyrule um sorry to interject matt i never understood this bit because if she knows he's bad just tell your dad he's going to listen to you and he looks and yeah and ganondorf does look shady (laughs) well you know all bad guys in, in Nintendo games look a bit shady. So, um, but he's got some sort of influence over the king or something. I'm not sure. They like talking. I don't know what they're talking about because you never find out. But yeah, you find out that Ganondorf, uh, this guy from Gerudo Valley, wants to have some sort of partnership with the king or something. And Zelda's seen it in her dreams that um, he's a bad guy and he's going to do something. He's going to take over Hyrule. He's going to get a hold of the Triforce and stuff. So, But apparently you're this like chosen green-dressed child who is going to defeat him or something. She's seen it in her dreams. And now you need to go to Death Mountain to get the... Is it the... Uh, so it's the ruby thing like gem uh over there as well um so yeah it's called death mountain it's not ominous at all oh and then she also i think is it her no i think it's impa so impa is like zelda's guardian um and she gives you this like royal creed to be able to uh get past this guard who is blocking the way out to death mountain through the kokoriko village so you get through there, you go to um, Goron Cave. So there's this species called Gorons who, I, I don't know how to best describe them. They're essentially like, I don't know, how can we describe them? They're like, I don't want to say gor- like skinless gorillas, but they've kind of got that kind of like built kind of like a gorilla look to them. Um, and they're like, they're red. I don't know how else to best describe them, but they like eating rocks or something. That's like a thing that they do. But they can't get into uh, Dodongo's cavern because it's blocked by rock that apparently is too big and they don't like eating it, but the rocks in this cave are nice to eat or something, so they need help with that. Um, and you meet the, the leader of the Gorons, um, Dorundia, I think is his name. Um He's sad for whatever reason. He wants you to play some sort of song, but you've not got the song yet, so you got to go back to Kokiri Forest to find Seri again in the Lost Woods. She'll give you a song that he likes to suddenly dance to. I don't know why. It's 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 a thing. <laughs> so, like, he's happy. He's dancing. Once you've got this song, you play it to him. He gives you these gauntlets that help you lift these bombs and flowers so you can throw this bomb at this rock that's blocking the cavern. So now you can get into it and you're in the second dungeon of the game. You go through there, you defeat King Dodongo. Dodongo, yeah. yeah. You defeat him, you get the, um, I think, Goron Ruby, I think it is. Yeah. That's cool. Um, then 
you go over to I think it's Zora's domain at some point. Someone like I think it's Nal tells you the owl tells you you need to go there, and if you press no, it'll tell you again stop it owl, please. Damn it. Uh, so you go over to Zora's domain. Um, apparently the princess is missing. I think she's been swallowed by um this massive fish thing. Oh, I forgot what it's called. It's like oh, what's the um. Jabu Jabu, I think something like that. She's been swallowed up by Jabu Jabu, and the king Zora needs your help with it. So you've got you got to do something for him. I think you got to have like a a letter for him as well to be able to go through like Zora's like agreement or something like that. I don't know, I don't know what the actual letter's called. But it's like it's proof that um, you're gonna be helping the Zoras or something. So you go through, you go in, into this belly of Jabu Jabu, you find. Princess Ruto, who's a bit rooty at the start, like you have to like pick her up and carry her every all around this dungeon, which is absolutely annoying. But then you end up fighting the boss there. I forgot what the boss is. Is it Baronade? The, um, so. the like the jellyfish one, where you've got to um, basically get it get it to like release its tentacles, then you can attack it. Yeah, so you end up getting like the the boomerang in in this uh, in this dungeon, and I think you use it to hit all the tentacles because I think it drops, and then you end yeah, up getting then you can... a chance to stab it. So you kill you kill him, um, and you get the I think it's Zora's sapphire, I think something like that. Uh, so now you've got the free like jewels to be able to get into what's called Temple of Time, uh, which is like a, a side off from the Hyrule's market. So you go in there, you unlock the Temple of Time, and you end up. No, no, sorry, I'm I'm missing a bit. So before you go there, you're making your way to Hyrule Castle, and this is where you find that Zelda's kind of dream comes true. Like she's her and Impa on a horse, kind of riding away from Hyrule. And she's been chased by Ganondorf. But before mm. they ride off, Zelda throws um, an ocarina into the kind of uh, the moat um, before leaving. Uh, Gandalf kind of runs you over with his horse. Oh, almost runs you over, sorry. He, like, knocks you over and thinks you're just a little thing and you're not worth his time. Well, he attacks you, doesn't he? He, like, shoots some lightning or something at you and yeah. then you're effectively, like, like knocked knocks out. you out, yeah. So then when you come back to, you go in the moat, you find that she's thrown in this ocarina in, it's called Ocarina of Time. What difference this is compared to a normal ocarina, I'm not sure. Um, apparently it's a little bit more powerful. It's, it's been passed down to generations of the Hyrule royal family. Uh, so you do that, you, then you go to the Temple of Time, sorry, and you unlock the, the sacred door that has the Master Sword behind it. But when you go in, and lift the master sword i think you get locked in and the triforce this like free triangle piece of power gets um split at some point i think so like ganondorf manages to get the power piece like triforce of power the triforce of wisdom ends up with someone you're not sure at that point it's Mm. it's gone to someone um, and then you end up with um, the Triforce of Courage, but it's not 
for some reason it's not active with you at that point. It's like dormant. So you pick up the Master Sword, you pick it up, and suddenly seven years go by where you're now playing as like a teenage adult Link. Or poo-poo face, if you've called him that at that point. And you, you end up, I think... I think we've I think we established that's what you've called him. Yeah, we've called that's him poo-poo face. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at this point, you are greeted by a character called Sheik. Uh, sort of like a... Like a guardian of the sages or something. I, something I like that, yeah. She's a bit ninja-ish. Um, kind of in like ninja garb. She's high. Sorry, he's hiding his face. Um, although it looks very reminiscent that it's also a female, but you're not sure who it is at this point. But Don't you assume the gender? Yeah, I've <laughs> assumed the gender and revealed the spoiler at this point. But oh, no. um, <laughs> they tell you um, that you need to go um, to the Forest Temple, uh, who's in, this in the Lost Woods. You need to kind of reactivate the sages. So there's like five. Five? No, I think there's six sages. Six. Yeah, there's six sages. Yeah. So one of them is already unlocked through the Temple of Time once you've picked up the Master Sword. They're like, um, give you, I don't know if it's at this point you get like the Light Medallion. It might be, I think it's actually later on once you've awoken the other five sages. But the first one is in Forest Temple in Lost Woods. But you got to do some first things first to before you get there. So you've got to go back to Kokoriko Graveyard to pick up the hook shot from the graveyard that's there which you gotta you gotta like i forgot how you, you get it you i think the the keeper of the graveyard damp you have to do some sort of race with him uh underneath the graveyard there's some sort of like tunnels that you gotta get through and you gotta get through there within enough time and he's like oh you've done it here's the hook shot so yeah so you pick up the hook shot you go to the forest temple you find out that Saria is the sage and you need to save her from uh, this light curse that's in the forest temple so you go through you go through that temple um, there's more sculptures which I'm not happy about and then you get to the boss who ends up being like a phantom version of Ganon or Ganondorf and this boss fight is actually kind of fun and unique I don't know what you thought about this one Nathan. But, yeah, because he kind of disappears into the paintings, doesn't he? I think this yeah. is where you can really like use the the Z to your advantage, you knowing where you move to to try yeah. and lock onto him. Because yeah. there's like I think there's like five or six paintings in this like hexagon room, and they can come through any of them. So you can need to be aware of like where he's coming from. And as he comes through yeah. the painting, at that point you can like hit him with an arrow and like kind of stun him. Um, and you've just got to do that a few times before you can. Um, finish him off yeah so like you end up getting like the bow and arrow in this in this dungeon and um you'll see him like coming through these these like paintings where it's like uh like a, the paint itself is like a pathway of something so you can see when he's kind of trying through on his horse and you hear him enough times with the with the bow and arrows that then you start playing like a game of lightning ball tennis with him where like he, he fires uh this ball of lightning towards you and you've got to deflect it back with your master sword, mm. and you can end up just playing like a game of tennis with eventually. It point. does take too long. Like I know you, <laughs> I know they've got to make it like a little bit more difficult. But I found this each time we fight Ganon, you've got to do pretty much that, um, mm. and uh, it does get boring because I think there's just too much back and forth in that like exchange. 
Um, yeah. That's just what I thought because it's just the same stuff you're doing over and over again. It's like, are we done yet? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the ball kind of goes faster between each hit and then like eventually, obviously, he doesn't he miss hits it, so it sort of hits mm. him. Um, eventually, like you defeat him. Um, Saria, who's like at the Forest Temple Sage, is awakened. You get the Forest Medallion. Now, I think um, she advised you to go to Death Mountain to to awaken the Fire um, Sage. Mm. And something that I've, I, I need to kind of track back on actually is that after you've got the hook shot, you end up going to a place that's called Lon Lon Ranch. That's in like the middle of the Hyrule Field. So you can pick up uh, your horse partner, um, Epona, which is quite it's quite interesting how you do it because like you en- you have to get Epona's song as a child first, meeting up with Malon. You have to like be friends with her and then eventually she sings a song. You pick it up on the ocarina and now you've got Epona's song. So when you use it as an adult coming back to Lono Ranch, Epona like recognizes the song and recognizes you. And then, like, the... I don't think it's the owner of the ranch. I think it was, like, the co-partner who takes over the ranch as, like, the seven years has gone past. Is like, oh, I'll challenge you to a race. You can't beat me. So, like, you race him. I think you go race him once or twice or something. And he gets angry when you beat him. He's like, oh, I'm locking down the ranch. You you can't leave here. And then he's like, sir, I have a horse. I'm going to jump yeah, off the fence now. And... <laughs> Then you just jump over the gate and now you've got a horse with you. So <laughs> so after that, and then doing the Forest Temple stuff, uh, you come up to Goron Cave. Um, and I think you have to... You end up like climbing up to the top of Death Mountain, uh, where you eventually get into um, the Fire Temple. But at some point, first you have to... You have to talk to a Goron somewhere in the cave where he'll end up giving you like the fire tunic. Um, so this is like the first time where you get different tunics to be more immune to like the, the fire that's in Fire Temple. So I think if you try and go in it without it, you end up start burning after a while, um, which isn't pleasant. So um, you end up in the Fire Temple. At some point you find out that Darunia is the sage, but he needs you to defeat um, Volvagia, I think. This, like, flying snake... Dragon thing. Dragon thing, yeah. And you also get, like, in that dungeon, you get, like, this this Megaton hammer, um, which is so slow to use, but if you actually hit something, it's really powerful. So you fight... Full Vagia with it. You have to. Funnily, his... funnily enough, now you said that it does that. Like the fight itself is like a version of whack a mole, isn't it? Cause... Yeah. So these these like holes in the um, I suppose the floor of the arena that you battle in, and like Volvagia will like pop up every so often, fly around, go back in, and you just go like you'll know where it's coming because like I think uh, lava appears up initially before it'll pop up. Yeah. So you play a game of whack a Volvagia, win. Um, and uh, you unlock the Fire Sage, which is uh, Darunia. Um, and then I think your advice go to Zoro's domain again, because um, something's happened. It's somehow in the seven years between what's been going on, um, frozen over. So I think you need to go into like ice cavern and get this sort of special 
I think it's like a blue flame um, that can then unmelt uh, the Zora um, King at least. And then I'm not sh- I'm not sure where where you go for this temple. I think it's um, it's somewhere offbeat. It's not quite in Zora's domain. It's like it's somewhere else that you have to play um, this like Serenade of War song that unlocks like the the front of it. And then you have to you have to get these iron boots that help you sink to the bottom of the water and then go into the temple. Oh, you also need Zora's tunic as well, so you're like you've got unlimited breathing underwater. How a tunic does that, I'm not sure. But so you go into the war temple and it's the worst temple in any This Zelda is the game. one that I hate the most as well. It's it's such a confusing it's it's not laid out as a maze, but like the whole thing plays like it is a maze because uh, you got like throughout the whole temple you got like lower water and then at some point you got to rise it back up because there's somewhere they need to get to and you got to kind of keep on doing that through the whole temple and it's just absolutely mm. annoying the worst temple ever I'm glad like the 3ds remake um, fixed it so it wasn't as as annoying. Um, I don't know what they quite did, but it's it's a little bit more bearable. So. Lucky, lucky you, because uh, when I booted this game up to play, uh, well, just to replay it a bit, oh. um, there was somebody that had a save on it before me, and I went into it and I was in the water temple. <laughs> the water. Like, oh no, because I yep, had the this is blue tunic on. And, uh, and... game, never to play again, <laughs> never to complete. Um, once yeah. I went into that, I was like, right, the best thing for me right now is just to start it again. <laughs> That's start what I did. Delete, delete the save, start again. <laughs> um, yeah, so you go through the War Temple um, and you get uh, an upgrade to the Hook Shot, which is called Long Shot. Just means the. So the Hook Shot is uh, an item where if you see something that's like wooden or there's some sort of symbol that you can hit to, you can shoot to it and then it brings you along. So it's a bit like a grapple gun in effect mm. and the long shot's just no upgrade it, it goes further along so but to be fair with the war temple it does have one of the better or maybe the best mini boss so like each temple will always have some sort of mini boss where you feed them you'll get the item that you need to get further in the dungeon and then you know it helps against the um against the boss but in the water temple you end up in this like room that's just like infinite war for some reason you see like your reflection and whatnot underneath and i think you get to you get to a point where suddenly you've got like no reflection and whatnot and then when you turn around your reflections like appears in like human form so you find against like a dark version of yourself mm. um and it's cool uh, in this fight where, like, what you do is replicated by the the other, like, the dark link. Um, so it's it's quite a difficult boss fight. Like, if you swipe, they swipe. If you like block, they're blocking it all the time. But when you swipe, you clash swords, so you don't actually hit each other. So it's a really really good little fight. I absolutely enjoyed this one. Um, the actual boss fight itself is a bit meh. And it's against someone that's called Bofia. It's like a... Uh, what's, what's best to describe it? Um, I thought it looked a bit like Chaos from um, Sonic Adventure, personally, but it's just me. Don't know how to describe Chaos, either. Um, just than, like a blob. Like a... 
Yeah, it's like a blob that controls the water around it, and it can like stretch itself. And it, it, it when it attacks you, it always try and bring you underwater, and you have to like make your way back up onto the platforms. And the best way to defeat it is using the long shot. So when it does appear, you long shot it away from the water, and then you start attacking this like membrane thing. Um, so you eventually defeat it, and you unlock. Uh, you find out that um, the princess Ruto, the Zoro princess, is the water sage. Um, and then suddenly she's got a crush on you, and wants to marry you for some suddenly now, because you look handsome as an adult. Seventy years uh, can do a lot. Yeah, apparently. So I don't know if she advised you, but eventually I think it might be the owl again comes in, says you need to get this. Uh, I think it's called Song of Storms. It seems like every temple you have to get a new song for to unlock because it then also acts as like a like a fast travel in a way. So you can fast travel to the front of the temple with these songs. And that's how you can get around um, Hyrule quite quickly. So you got to go to Kokoriko Village. Um, you got to learn this new song. It's called Song of Storms um, because the well in that song in in the village is like overflowing so using it can reverse the constant rain that's happening the well drains and now you gotta go down this well to get what's called a lens of truth um which reveals like hidden stuff around so at that point um i forgot where the shadow temple is i think it's I think once you learn the song, you just teleport to it. I think it's somewhere in Kokoriko Village, I think. But, like, it's somewhere not accessible unless you have the song. So you go into the Shadow Temple, um, another place that seems to love its skull toolers, especially invisible ones. That's fun. <laughs> Absolute fun. You just, you can hear them. You can hear, like, the, the, like, the scratchy noise that they make and then they drop and just spin hit you, and that's fun. So that's that's where kind of the lens of truth comes in handy because it reveals anything that's invisible to be visible. This is this is quite a, a tricky temple to get around because a lot of like use of the lens of truth comes through here as well. Go through here, you end up picking up the Harvard boots, which I think are absolutely horrible to use. <laughs> so you've got like. Say you've got kind of a, uh, a gap that you can't jump, you can equip the hover boots on. They give you like about two, three seconds of usage before you, that you can like walk normal and then you just suddenly fall. That's fun. So you eventually come across the boss, which is Bongo Bongo, uh, which are just kind of two massive hands with eyes in the middle of them and they attack by bonging the stage that you're on wonder why they're called bongo bongo bonking the stage is that well so? they, <laughs> or bonging well, the stage they they play the stage like the drums so i, I don't know what you would... anyway uh <laughs> it's a term okay. i use it so <laughs> so you defeat them i think you find the imp is the sage for the shadow realm shadow realm gone all you you suddenly yeah uh, the shadow sage so you get the medallion from them uh and then at some point you're advised to you go to gerudo valley to infiltrate the fortress there which is the next kind of an is, is this the annoying one i don't know if it's here no i think it's in 
the next game where it's the whole you have to get past the kind of all female guards without learning them else you end up like getting into a massive fight or it might be here actually I think so it's here that you have to pick up some of the special arrows that you get like you end up with the ice arrow and I think you end up getting fire arrows sorry in uh, the war temple as well you get like the ice arrows that meant to help uh, and then you have to cross this desert which is uh, very frustrating I don't know if you ever did this bit Nathan I don't know if you've gone this far in Ocarina. No, I didn't, I didn't get up to this bit. So, um, there's this massive desert that to cross over, you have to find these pillars that have got these like waving red flags on them. And you have to follow them um, accurately, but also using like the lens of truth to find like the path through as well. But if you kind of went off at any point, you end up kind of going back to the beginning of the desert, which is quite frustrating. Um, to get through but yeah you eventually kind of get there and you end up going into what was called the spirit temple so this is kind of like the last temple but when you get there you gotta learn the the song for it so the i think it's called requiem of spirit you learn it as an adult but then you got to go back as a child go back to child form go back to the spirit desert um find what are called the silver gauntlets so they're like they're i think they were like um an upgrade on the power gauntlets that you got as a child um to be able to lift things that was much more heavier but then you leave the temple come back to it as an adult and then there's like you can finally lift this like thing that was blocking one of the first doors because otherwise you can't do anything as the adult which again is just like a lot more backtracking it's a little bit annoying but I suppose this is the best way of being able to do it. I suppose it, it, it helps involve the child form more. Uh, it's not you just stuck as adult, do everything. Mm. That's kind of it. You leave the child form alone. You, you still do things as a child, um, which helps the adult form later on. So you go through the spirit temple, and this is where kind of one of my favorite items is that you pick up, which is called the mirror shield, where you, there's a lot of puzzles in the spirit temple that involve um, redirecting light to another area of where you are, like a section. So again, like the mirror shield was always fun. It's always got, I don't know, this like really, the mirror shield itself has got like uh, a design on the front of it. It's like a, like a derpy, re-dead screen face. I don't know why. If you look at the mirror shield um, for Ocarina of Time, it's one of the stranger designs for a mirror shield. Um, but it was funny. Uh, so you go through there, um, and then the you end up finding uh, the boss there is called Twin Rover, which is a pair of twin witches. Which I think I think in low terms they were like the sisters of Ganondorf. I think they look like it. Uh, yeah, the design wise, um, look like I it. didn't get this far myself in my most recent playthrough, so I've watched like a couple of videos of them, and yeah. they look really scary. Like the cackle that they do, <laughs> and yeah, like, with there being two of them, it just does seem quite overwhelming in comparison to the other bosses because they can fly around on brooms and stuff like that. So, oh yeah, that was it. So, um, they've got a unique way of battling them. So one has like the power of fire, and the other one's got like the power of ice. And what you have to do is um, when one fires, like, um, say one was using, like, a fire beam or something, use the mirror shield to sort of absorb the power 
to then like deflect back over to like the other witch because like their powers weak to over them. So you start doing that for a bit, and then at some point they they'll merge together and use both powers, not simultaneously, but like one after the other. So now you mm-hmm. just kind of got one target to fight back. And I think you have to absorb some. You, you have to like absorb the first power that gets hit to you. So like if they fight ice, you absorb that. And if they fight ice again, you you continue to absorb that. But if you if they hit fire, you have to dodge it. Otherwise, it like blasts. Countroffs the ice. Yeah, like it nullifies your your what you're absorbing. And you have to start again. I think you have to do it three times before it fires back and hits them. So it's quite a quite an in-depth boss fight this one. And then once you defeat her, you awaken the spirit sage. Um, this one, I'm not too certain on who the actual sage was i'm sure it's someone that helps you get into the spirit spirit temple i think it's like a gerudo i think i might have to look that up at some point but I... moving on you, you end up getting all the five sages um you go back to the temple time i think this is where you end up awakening the sixth sage the sage of time uh who is like a guardian of that uh, of the temple of time at some point who, who get who got locked up by Ganon um, during like the seven years you kind of switch between child and adult um, and then they give you the light arrows which are like the arrows to use that's most effective against uh, the darkness or the curse that Ganondorf's hit across the land so now it's time to go to um, Hyrule Castle um, like pretty much the last dungeon which has been turned into Ganon's tower where it's like it's this massive it's essentially Hyrule's castle turned into like Ganon's decorators whatever they've done with it but it's also like on like a floating island away um away from how you'd normally get to it so I think the sages uh come and help and make this like rainbow bridge to be able to get towards it or light bridge to to be able to get over there so you get over there and there's I think there's initially there's like five rooms that are currently blocking your way to get further up the the tower, and they've all got um, a familiar like the themes of the previous dungeons you've done. So one's like a forest one, one's fire, war, spirit, and shadow. You go through them, you finish them, and they unlock the the way to get further up throughout the tower. In which case you end up going through this. I think you get you get so far up, and then I think you end up finding these uh, these suits of armor called Iron Knuckles, I believe, um, which are really annoying. You have to like essentially block what they're doing, get behind and, and slash at them. So you start unlocking their like armor and stuff, and then as soon as you defeat them, the way up uh, is unlocked, and you go up this massive kind of corkscrew of stairs where you start hearing music. Uh, coming through as you go further up the stairs, louder and louder, get to the top, um, and you find that Ganon has imprisoned Zelda uh, in this light, light chasm thing, uh, and he's playing the piano for some reason. Plays it quite well, to be fair to me. Yeah, and if I actually start tracking back a little bit again, <laughs> I think... Um, when you get all the medallion, uh, the medallions, stage medallions, and unlock the last one, Sheik comes, who's been helping you throughout um, 
your journey kind of letting you know where you need to go giving you certain songs to learn so you can walk to temples and stuff um they are at, at the end revealed to be zelda um zelda's been using sheik as a sort of a disguise to get around hyrule um because gandalf's been looking for her for seven years um and you find up find out she has the triforce of wisdom so she's got the third piece uh, and I spoiled that ages ago. So, um, <laughs> and she gets locked up by Gandalf because she's finally revealed herself. Ganondorf imprisons her, brings her up to the tower. That's why you go to the tower. So you get there, you meet Ganon, he's playing the piano. Um, he ends up destroying the piano at some point, and you're gonna have a fight with him. And it's a repeat of um, the second part of the fight with Phantom Ganon, where you're playing lightning tennis. Um, although he plays it a little bit more skillful than Phantom, um, it gets a little bit tricky because you hit once you hit him, he falls down and you have to jump over to his platform and hit him enough times, and then you have to back off um, and go back to like the outer platform where you continue playing tennis with him. Um, otherwise, um, when he powers kind of back up a little bit, he can knock you off the platform, and then you've got to make your way up the stairs again i think or oh, there's a, there might be a ladder there so there's a little bit more of a shortcut i think there's a ladder so you end up playing this tennis game with him and you eventually uh defeat him um and he's not impressed that this child who was just a little thing they ran over seven years ago is best in him um at tennis so he starts to bring down the tower with him uh, like the tower starts shaking and you've got like, I think it's, you've got like a time limit with Zelda to pretty much make your way to the bottom of the tower and get out. And you'll make your way down and you have to like go through certain rooms of enemies, fight them, unlock the door, go through, go down these stairs um, where debris could come and crush you, which is fun and not great. Um, and then you, you end up making your way to the bottom and you think you've won. Because the whole tower's just come down and, you, well, no one can survive that, clearly. But, obviously, someone has to survive and it's Ganondorf. Um, and he starts to use the, the power of the Triforce of Power to turn into... Now, I don't know if this is, like, his original incarnation or if it's just an incarnation they've made for Ocarina of Time. Because in the original games, the big bad guy is known as Ganon. It's not Ganondorf. Like, who's this guy? It's new to Ocarina of Time. But he turns into his, like, this incarnation himself called Ganon, which is like a massive boar standing on two legs with massive swords that can hurt if he hits you. <laughs> so you start this fight, and you initially start it without the Master Sword because he swung at you and hit the sword out of your hand. So now you're kind of a bit defenseless uh, for a little while, uh, unless you decide to use the Megaton Hammer. So, or if you've done the quest to get the, um, oh, what's it called? There's, another, there's, a, there's a little side quest in the whole game where you can create this, like, massive sword. It's like a sword that this legendary Goron makes for you, uh, which is ridiculously too big and you shouldn't be able to hold it. Uh, so Kima, if you've got that, then you can use that and, and the, the fight's a little bit more easier. But the aim of the Ganon fight is to get behind him and start swinging at his tail. 
because it's glowing. And in most early games, if it's glowing, then that's a, a weak point. So you do that. You've used the, I think it's the Bigoron Sword or the Megaton Hammer. The hammer's a little bit more tricky because it's slower to use, but it does a little bit more damage. Hit it enough times, he falls. Um, the flaming area that is, the flaming aura um, that was kind of keeping you away from the sword comes out, you pick it up, um, and then you start, I think you start finding him a little bit more. And then at some point, he, fall, he kind of falls, he's down to one knee, he gets hit by this like light power from Zelda who's keeping, like, it keeps him status at bay. And you do kind of like one final hit with your Master Sword. You take Ganon down, and then I think you end up in this like, I don't know, it's like a space between kind of both it's like a space outside of time in effect this like white place where only you and Zelda are and she kind of acknowledges that you um what you've done for this timeline um will save it but you now need to go back to your original timeline because you you don't belong here now like you've done what you need to do you need to put the master sword back um so the game kind of ends with you kind of back in child form while everyone in the in the adult timeline is is like celebrating that like they've got you know the life back and Ganon's dead and everything's hunky dory, but the game ends with like as you being the child self going back to see Zelda as though it's like the first time you've met her again. It, it sort of implies that, and the game kind of ends there. So I don't know whether whether there's there's a lot of. Uh, talk online about their like if, if they ever did like a proper Zelda timeline of like where to put all the games chronologically this game is used as a place of where the, the, the whole timeline splits into like adult timeline and child timeline it's quite it's quite interesting everyone argues on where things should be and stuff but yeah that's that's Ocarina of Time yeah I think it, at the end it's quite bleak because Navi leaves you so it's as if you've just like done all this for nothing because you're back where you start when you're asleep in effect yeah in a way it's it feels like it's implied that like you kind of go back to when like things have just kind of nothing's happened and you're seeing Zelda again whether or not you keep the memories of what you did previously or not it's, it's never really mentioned but I mean I absolutely love love the game everything that you can do in it um what did you think of the fishing mini game oh the fishing it's it's a bit difficult initially because you got you got to try and catch like the biggest fish to get like so throughout the game you can do stuff to get what are called pieces of heart uh so like four pieces gives you like an extra heart as your life thing i never really used to like collect a lot of it like by the end of it i always used to have like old hearts that you get from being the dungeons and whatnot and that was pretty much it i'd probably get a couple extra but i never dedicated myself to get all the pieces heart because doing that is um is a chore well, it's, a, it's a fairly long game is it? it is without having to do all that it's a very well. long game um, um I, I did read that the person that uh, like built the fishing mini game who was working on the water temple and the water temple boss and um, he did this as like a, a side thing um he weren't supposed to be working on this because oh, okay. his bosses came to him and said, "Oh, where's the um, where's the water level boss?" 
And he's like, oh, it's not done yet, but I've been working on it's this. Suspicion. And they've uh, <laughs> they decided to put it into the game, which is quite good. Oh, it's nice. I always, I always think um, Zelda games always have quite nice side stuff to do. So, like, um, like stuff from, like, A Link to the Past. Um, there's ways of upgrading your your sword or the master sword once you got it. Um, and you didn't have to do it. It was, like, very optional. But if you did do it, like, obviously the sword power is much more powerful mm. and certain stuff was a lot easier to get through. But I loved it. Like, even the stuff like, I've not even talked about the House of Skull Toolers, which, as a child as well, not really somewhere where I want to go. So, like, um, there's a story in, uh, in uh, there's a little house in um, Kokoriko Village where this family's had, like, a curse upon them this like skull tooler curse where like they're all kind of half human half skull toolers like you can see like the guy has still got kind of facial features and there's a, mm. a human arm hanging out where there probably would be like a spider leg and the way to solve the curse is you gotta go around hyrule and find these golden skull toolers so uh the more you collected of them the more rewards you got so like if you got 10 you got what was called like an adult wallet where you could hold up to, I think it was like 500 rupees instead of just 99. Um, there was other upgrades where you got like a, a giant's wallet where you could get up to 9,999 rupees. And I think what, if you collected, I think there was 100 of them. If you got 100, you would lift the curse from the family. Mm. Um, I forgot what what it is that you actually got. I, I don't think the reward was actually that great once you got 100. But the other reward, little rewards that you got in between, like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, were, were pretty good and useful. Be able to have more rupees is obviously a good thing. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I, think, I think my favourite kind of side quest from Ocarina of Time was being able to create the the big, I, think, I forgot what the sword's called. I think it's like Big Goron Sword or something like that. Um, but the way to do it, it was like you have to get one item from one place and then get another item from another place. And then it would initially, this massive Goron would make giant sword, but you only had so you had like infinite uses of it and then it would break. And then I don't think you could use it after that. I don't think you could actually upgrade it afterwards. I'm not sure. But you'd have to do other stuff where you have to get one thing and you had a time limit to go to like Lost Forest to get another thing and that thing had like an expiry date on it so you had to go somewhere else to get something else and it was like a fetch a fetch quest basically but once you got mm. it you got this like massive sword that Link should not be able to use at all like you couldn't use it as child Link it, you'd like it's too heavy yeah <laughs> but as adult Link it's just ridiculously like you'd hold it with two hands and you'd swing it so slowly but it's really good I, I, I quite liked it um and then just riding around Hyrule as well on Epona, once you got to adult, felt real nice as well. Like the galloping was cool and how you had to do it, where you had to time uh, your speed to, you know, build up speed with the carrots and stuff when you fed it. And being able to do races at Long Long Ranch as well, because you could do them after you got away from Long Long Ranch with Epona the first time, you could go back and do races. That was cool. And there's just a lot of stuff to do in the game, which, you know, in 1998, it felt like a lot for a game that kind of 
style. But I, I enjoyed a lot of stuff of it. Like, the combat was, was nice. The items that you got felt good. Like, there's just a lot of optional stuff. Like, I've not even talked about, like, the bomb chew items, which were just, like... So you could get normal bombs uh, in the game that you use and throw them and all that stuff. Or you could get what was called bomb chews, which were, like, remote control bombs that went in one direction when you placed them on the ground, they just like zoomed up to what I was in front of it and you could climb walls as well and stuff. That was cool. Um, and all the optional stuff like um, the mask place where you could get different masks. I don't know if they ever did anything. I'm not sure. I think you could get ones with the bunny ears and you actually ran faster. That did stuff. But that was implemented much better in like the sequel for Majora's Mask. So, But no, I absolutely love my time with with this game, and um, it would definitely be like probably like my top five games of all time, for sure. So there we have it, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time into the video game all the time. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release Bag Willie on Tuesdays. You can visit our website jokingdolphin.com, where we post blogs and the Hall of Fame. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. We're also on YouTube, where we post this very podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.